are back and on air for Fan for Racing NASCAR Weekend Preview of Darlington. This is Thursday night, May the 14th, and uh, really looking forward to getting back on air to talk about racing in NASCAR. And uh, I'll tell you what, we'll provide a lot of updates tonight, but we'll also preview the Cup Series race that's going to be at Darlington Raceway this weekend uh, on Sunday, May the 17th. It will start at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. Joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. All right. Well, make sure I'm on. That was the first step. It's been a while since we've done this, and the excitement level uh, just adds to it because I get all nervous about what I'm doing. I'm just excited to see some uh, racing back on track, although fans can't be there. We will get to watch it on Fox. So uh, one of those things, like the rest of everything else going on, we just got to roll with it. Exactly. It's almost like a second off season that we're coming off of, and we're back at uh, starting racing again. I think everybody's happy about it. Uh, kudos to NASCAR for doing the eye racing uh, while we were during during this COVID nineteen break, and uh, keeping fans engaged in racing uh, throughout that time. Uh, but we're glad to be back to cars being on the track and the drivers in their cars and racing at Darlington this weekend. Now, we're going to spend a good part of uh, uh, tonight providing a few updates, but we'll also uh, spend uh, a good portion of tonight talking about Darlington and the Cup Series race there. Now, just to also give you a few programming notes, uh, Monday night, will be our first Monday night show with Sal Segala. And uh, when I called the guys to tell them we're gearing back up, uh, I told both Sal and Jay, uh, for a while, uh, you're not going to know if we're doing review or preview or both. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of both, uh, especially next week. Uh, because Monday night, where tonight we're previewing the Darlington race, it's just one race, uh, next Monday we'll be doing a review and a preview because on Tuesday and Thursday, Tuesday and Wednesday, there are two more Darlington races. On Tuesday it's the Xfinity Series racing, and on Wednesday it's going to be the Cup Series again racing at Darlington. Then Thursday night we'll review those two races, and then we'll get into the preview of the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway on Sunday, May the 24th. Now, Monday is Memorial Day. We will not have a show that night. So in addition to doing the review uh, preview for that Charlotte race, the Coke 600, we'll also previewing, be previewing the other Charlotte races, which includes the Xfinity Series, the Truck Series, and a second Cup Series race at Charlotte, all on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then we'll back again on Thursday, the 28th. And uh, then we will review uh, all of those uh, Charlotte races and then preview the Bristol race for both the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. So without getting too complicated, that gives you the next couple of weeks anyway of what our schedule is going to look like. And it's going to be a little bit of reviewing and previewing. And uh, although we'll see Sal this Monday night, he will not be here on the uh, Memorial Day night. 
Uh, but we will look forward to having him back again. Let me look at the schedule here. That would be June the 1st, and uh, that's when we'll do a review of the Bristol races. So with that, Jay, <laughs> uh, everything's just a little discombobulated right now. Yeah, again, I mean, we're going to do what we can. Um, you know, NASCAR is working so hard on this schedule. I know they released today uh, today or yesterday um, June schedule, and, you know, they're doing the best they can with tracks that are able to work with them. Um, you know, so we got to be flexible as well. I know we don't have uh, the same news and notes we normally have. Uh, the schedule, like you said, yeah. we're going to be doing preview and review, some of them reviewing or previewing multiple races. So, <laughs> Uh, just bear with us, and we got to take what we can get at this point. Okay. Also, keep in mind, we do have uh, also tonight our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off returns. Andy is able to join us at 10 o'clock half hour, and uh, we usually go overtime. And I'm sure we will do that again tonight uh, with our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, we've got a lot to discuss there. Uh, but we will go over some of the procedural changes uh, that uh, are going to be in effect while we go through this modified schedule. I think what they're trying to do, Jay, is they're trying to keep everybody kind of close to home without traveling across the country, especially considering that, um, uh, you know, they've got such a tight turnaround with so many races uh, throughout the week as well. Well, they are. I think a lot of things are coming into, into factor. I know you and I talked a little bit earlier about the, the Iowa races that and Chicagoland that got scrubbed. Yeah. I know uh, talking to my family in Minnesota, uh, things aren't clearing up as quickly up there. Uh, again, their winter runs a little longer, so the flu season obviously runs a little longer. So I think that's some of the issue there. I know Sonoma out in California. California is one that isn't opening up as early as some of the other states. So you know, again, yep. they got a monstrous task and, you know, they're doing what they can, keeping guys closer to home and, and doing the one day race, come back home, um, prevents them from being out, you know, hotels, things like that and uh, food areas. So, you know, again, they got a lot to work with. I, I commend them for even what they're attempting to do, whether this goes good or not, they are <laughs> attempting to do something, you know, um, so you got to commend them for that. that. Yes, absolutely. This is not an easy task, uh, and I know a lot of race fans uh, are understanding of the situation that NASCAR is dealing with, uh, and and I hope those that uh, may not quite understand why it is the way it is, I, I hope they kind of give the benefit of the doubt in this case because uh, uh, it's just uh, one of those situations. Now, just to kind of – I gave you a little bit of the schedule there – uh, with regard to what's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, there is an article at fanfracing.com as well that goes over the June races, the, the, the remainder of May, the 30th and the 31st at Bristol, uh, and then beginning in June, uh, they'll have three Atlanta races between the trucks, Xfinity and Cup. Uh, there's a Martinsville race with the Cup Series, uh, and then uh, we go to Miami uh, for two Xfinity races, a Gander Trucks race and uh, a Cup race, and then we'll close up uh, June 21st uh, with a Cup race at Talladega, but there's also an ARCA race and an Xfinity Series race at Talladega. Uh, some of those races are going to be double headers. 
Uh, again, go to fanforacing.com, and you can see the complete schedule there uh, for the end of May and going up to uh, the 21st. Uh, in addition to that, uh, you mentioned Chicagoland Speedway and Iowa Speedway. Uh, other uh, postponements of events include Kansas Speedway. Uh, they were originally scheduled for the 30th and 31st. Michigan was originally scheduled for June 5 to 7, and the Xfinity Series race at Mid-Ohio on May 30th, and the Gander Outdoor Truck Series race at Texas Motor Speedway uh, was previously scheduled uh, and all of those races have been postponed and uh, realigned with these other races that we just mentioned. So uh, something for people to be aware of as well. Well, and this is, this is why you got to tune into the news stations and keep up to date. Uh, as you were running through that, I'd, I'd written down a little chart here that I was using. I truthfully, I, I missed one of the Xfinity races at the, the doubleheader at Miami uh, Homestead. So I had to pencil that oh, in, yeah. you know, so, yeah, I, I, it was one of those, you know, I knew it in my head, but when I wrote it down, apparently missed, missed that, uh, I knew that they were planning on that. So again, it's kind of a fluid situation. And again, I, I can't even imagine the hoops that NASCAR is trying to jump through right now. No kidding. Uh, by the way, that double header, uh, is between two days. They they race on the 13th and then again on the 14th, but they will be racing on the same day as the Truck Series race on the 13th. So uh, that's a doubleheader. Also on the 20th of June, you've got ARCA. Uh, they're coming back at Talladega. That will be their first race back uh, on June the 20th, and that will be a doubleheader with the Xfinity Series on that date as well. And then, of course, the Cup Series race the following day on the 21st. So, yeah, very exciting stuff happening here. Uh, midday, w- midweek racing and all kinds of things going on. Um, now, I also want to mention uh, ARCAracing.com. There's so many great articles they've been putting up uh, during this downtime, and I really want to encourage folks to get over there to ARCAracing.com. Uh, they will keep you up to date with everything that is going on. They've got all the standings up there uh, for the Arkham Menard Series, the East and the West, as well as the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, standings. But they've got a lot of really great profiles uh, that they've done, quick quizzes with Taylor Gray, uh, crew chief profile with uh, Marty Lindley, uh, Menard's Powers, a new era for ARCA, uh, the ARCA Racing Series, so that's all there as well. Uh, they've got a quick quiz with Haley Deegan, uh, a little bit of uh, This Week in ARCA History, talking about Tom Hesser III, uh, a quick quiz with Chad Moffat. Uh, there's just so many great articles that are up there, and if you want to get caught up with what's happening in the ARCA Menard Series and uh, the drivers that are involved in those series, definitely check out that website. As always, they do a phenomenal job of keeping everything up to date and putting up, like you said, some great articles um, to to peruse uh, at your leisure. Got a little bit of time again before they run again. Uh, That's another one I know that NASCAR is working very hard and diligently on. Uh, Theirs is a little bit tougher with the way their schedule was, but I have full faith that NASCAR is going to do the best they can to provide 
again, the goal here is is a full season for everybody. Uh, I know some sports were having to cut their season short. NASCAR is doing everything they can to get the full amount in. May not be at the same venues, but everybody's in the same boat. You know, it's the same for all racers. They all got to go to the same track. So uh, I think it's going to work out good. And I see it as an opportunity. You talked about the midweek races. I know at this point it's still fans not allowed at the track, but I think it will give them an opportunity to take a look at the TV numbers for midweek races, which will also come into play should they go down that road in the future. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Okay, absolutely. And and uh, just, uh, just to let everybody know as well that uh, – we will going will be going over some of the procedural changes uh that will be taking place it's kind of a modified procedure uh while nascar is going through this uh modified schedule and uh, a lot of this is to save time for these drivers on this tight turnaround of races so at time and money for that matter so uh we will go over what those changes are and uh, make sure that everybody's up to speed with that. And then also two big announcements uh, that happened during this downtime. Ryan Newman announced that he was going to be ready to start racing, and he will be in the race at Darlington uh, this Sunday, as is Matt Kenseth, who is now driving the number 42 car for Chip Ganassi Racing. Now, NASCAR did some teleconferences today with several drivers, uh, and we will have uh, definitely audio from Matt Kenseth and uh, uh, Ryan Newman. I'm going to try to play. um, Actually, Ryan Newman, I thought, was about 10 minutes. It's actually 42 minutes, so we won't be able to play all of his but I will play about 10 minutes of his interview. Uh, Matt Kenseth is around 10 minutes, and we will play uh, uh, his entire interview. There's also interviews from Chad Knauss, Kevin Harvick, Eric Jones, Kurt Busch, (laughs) and Ryan Blaney. So we won't be able to play all of those, but we will try to play whatever we can play uh, during our preview here tonight, at least a couple of minutes of of uh, some of those interviews as well. Well, you mentioned in the two that two we're going to be able to listen to. Uh, great to see Ryan Newman back at the track, obviously, uh, following his Daytona accident. We knew that he was planning on coming back or when it would be. This actually kind of worked into his benefit, if you will. Uh, I believe he only missed the three races, so he's still eligible for the championship. And then we got the return of Matt Kenseth, not under ideal circumstances. I'm sure we'll talk about that in hot topics, but I, I personally view it as great to see Matt Kenseth back in a car, back at the track. And NASCAR has also granted him the waiver um, to be able to run for the championship, even though he missed the first four races, as that team had been present at all of them. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what he has to say, what both of them have to say uh, about coming back into racing. And uh, I think it's been really, really great news uh, for uh, for all of the, those drivers, for especially those two drivers that are involved. Um, so with that, um, let's go ahead and get into – uh, some of those uh, procedural changes. And just an FYI, I know we're trying to make our picks here 
for our fantasy game. I just got the email off to Owen, so hopefully we'll hear back from him shortly. Well, for okay, fans that, that follow along, that, as I say, for fans that follow along with us doing that, we are doing a little bit modified there as well with the number of races and the number of days <laughs> that we're doing. And I think now we're up to 20 races in 30 days. So we're modifying how we yeah. do our fantasy picks, kind of fair for everybody. But, again, we're doing it for fun. So have a little bit of fun with it and uh, see how it all plays out. Exactly. Uh, right now, just to kind of give everybody a heads up, we're picking for the two Cup Series uh, Darlington races. Uh, but we also have uh, the other races that we're picking for are the Xfinity Series race at Darlington uh, that will be taking place on Tuesday as well as the Cup Series race on Sunday and Wednesday of next week. So uh, did I miss anything there? Those are the three races we're picking for, right? Yeah. Well, yep. Uh, well, I know I put, I think I put in the trucks, but we got a little bit of time for the, their first one is Charlotte on the 25th. So that one kind of take a back burner, but yeah, getting the, uh, the yeah. two Cup races in and the Xfinity at Darlington is kind of what we're, working on now okay so with that let's go ahead and get into some of the procedural changes the operational changes uh nascar kind of detailed this according to uh race dates uh so you may see that there's a little bit of changes in some of those race dates now keep in mind that sal and i will be previewing the Xfinity and the second cup race at Darlington on Monday night. So really the only one that we're previewing here tonight is the cup series race on Sunday. So uh, let's start um, with uh, the pit selections. That order is based on the team owner points followed by the open team owner points. So pit stalls were picked in advance, and the pit boxes will be in the stalls when the teams arrive at the track. So they looked at the owner's points. They've got everybody lined up. Everything will be set up, and uh, it should go very smoothly. Right? You would think so, and that, that's pretty standard as far as any type of uh, when you have a random uh, draw um for pit stalls, I know it doesn't always match up that way, but especially with rainouts or delays, in this case, we had a, f- a three-month delay. But, uh, again, I think they're trying to be fair without giving the advantage to the top team. Same with the uh, – we'll get into the uh, starting lineups for the next couple of races. Uh, I think they did a unique situation with that, and I kind of like it. Yeah, well, yeah, on Race Hub today, uh, just to follow up on that, Race Club today – at 6 p.m. Eastern, they did the random draw, and they've got everybody kind of uh, in groups uh, for that random draw. So they started with uh, the owner points again, and they looked at the drivers that were in those owner points from 37 to 40. Uh, now, two of those drivers uh, are not on the owner's points. Uh, that was Josh Balicki and uh, B.J. McLeod. So those guys are, are the back row. Uh, but the other drivers... Uh, were part of a random draw there. Then they drew for positions uh, 25 through 36, 13 to 24, and 1 to 12. So uh, why don't we go ahead and do the lineup um, by row 
uh, well, no, let's finish our procedure changes. Once we finish the procedure changes, then we'll give you what that lineup is based on that random draw that they did on uh, Race Hub today. All right. Uh, going into, we talked about that, of, of how they did it. It was in groups of 12. Uh, Sharon mentioned 37th for 40th was the open. 25th through 36th, if you were an owner points there, you did a random draw within that group. And then 13th through 24th, and then the top 12. I believe the next race is going to be an invert. I don't see that right here, so we'll leave that for, for now. Um, this week, for the Monday, stage lengths yeah. were announced. Uh, first one, first stage is going to end on lap 90, second stage on lap 185, and the race for 293 laps will be the final stage at 108 laps. And right with that, again, we don't have the normal NASCAR news and notes. I know they will be putting out an early competition yellow, and I want to say it was at yeah. lap 20, but I, that, I'm not 100. Okay, it's is that right, lap, lap 20? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I lap 30. I believe it's okay. lap 30. Lap 30 for this particular race. The other races have not yet been announced, but there will, you're right. There will be a competition caution, and uh, drivers uh, will come in. And they're doing that because they're not getting a practice session, Jay. So this gives them a chance to see what's happening with their car uh, and, and give their team a chance to make any adjustments based on what drivers are, are experiencing during those first 30 laps. So, uh, so that, that, I think, is uh, a, a really big deal. Now, here's the procedure for the modified competition caution. Uh, the field is going to be frozen at the time that the caution flag comes out. Uh, the field will then be assembled behind the pace car, and the running order lead lap and lap down cars will be established and the free pass sent. Now, there is no wave-around rule in effect for this race on Sunday. Pit road will then be open to the top 20 cars. Uh, those cars must beat the pace car off pit road in order to retain their frozen position. And then pit road will be open to the next 20 cars. Uh, and, again, the cars must beat the pace car off pit road in order to keep their freeze position. Uh, the above cycle then repeats. Each team is allowed to pit only two times, and uh, they can reestablish their lineup per freeze and restart race. So uh, infractions that could happen under this modified competition caution is if a driver doesn't beat the pace car off pit road, uh, they will get a penalty and lose a lap, and they'll have to restart at the tail of the field. Now, pitting more than twice or out of sequence will also result in restarting at the tail end of the field, and all current pit road field rules will remain in effect. So that's kind of what will happen during those uh, pit road, that competition caution, and the remainder of the race with the two cautions that are allowed. Again, this is a little bit unorthodox, a little bit of modifications to it, but like you mentioned, it's based on the fact that they're not doing any practice, any qualifying, so uh, I think was a great move on NASCAR's part. Again, I don't, it doesn't quite equate to the benefit of practice and qualifying and getting the car prepped like you'd like, but uh, certainly does allow for some adjustments there and, and keeping it fair, of the, especially with the random draw of how everybody started. So, I, again, NASCAR, the, the executives at NASCAR have, 
their minds just got to be blown with everything they're trying to address as they get this season back underway and try to return to some sense of normalcy. Yes, indeed. Um, and so with that, why don't we go ahead, uh, let's go bottom up and uh, do the uh, starting lineup by row. Do you have that, Jay? Uh, I do. I do. Uh, I'll do rows 20 through 16. Uh, you already mentioned that final row is going to go to Josh Belecki, Josh Belecki uh, coming back, TBR, uh, Tommy Baldwin Racing put up the entry, and B.J. McLeod in the number 78. Row 19, that'll be Daniel Suarez in the 96, and Timmy Hill in the 66. Row 18, that'll be Reed Sorensen in the number 77, and Brennan Poole in the number 15. 17th row, that'll be John Hunter Nemechek, in the 38, as well as Ty Dillon in the Geico-sponsored number 13. And the 16th row, that is Joey Gase and Michael McDowell. Okay. Okay. Uh, You left off with Michael McDowell? Yep. Okay. I'll go up uh, the next 10 drivers. Uh, We've got J.J. Yaley in the number 30th position. Tyler Reddick, a rookie is in 29th position. Uh, Row 14, we have Christopher Bell and Quinn Huff, both rookies. Uh, Their positions 28 and 27. Uh, In positions 25 and 26 is Ryan Priest and Garrett Smithley. That's row 13. Row 12 uh, includes Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in 23rd position and Chris Buescher in 24th. And row 11 uh, has Ryan Newman uh, in the 21st position and Kurt Busch in 22nd. Definitely some interesting things going on there. We'll talk about that as a whole once we get done. But moving into row 10, row 10 through 5. Row 10, the 20th position will be Eric Jones and Corey LaJoy. Row number 9, 18th starting spot will be William Byron and Bubba Wallace in the Richard Petty number 43. Eighth row, that'll be Austin Dillon and Martin Truex Jr. Row seven, there we have a, the top running rookie at this point, uh, Cole Custer, as well as Clint Boyer. Row number six, there we find the 42. That'll be driven by Matt Kenseth now and Chase Elliott in Napa Auto Parts number nine. Okay, now the top ten, uh, beginning with row number five, we have Denny Hamlin in 10th place, and Joey Logano in 9th. Row 4 includes uh, 8th position, Jimmy Johnson, and in 7th place, Ryan Blaney. Row 3 is Kevin Harvick uh, in 6th place with Eric Almirola in 5th place. Row 2 is Kyle Busch in 4th place, and in 3rd place is Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, On the front row is Alex Bowman, in the second position, and Brad Keselowski in that number one position as the pole sitter. So uh, there are 18 Chevrolets in the field. There will be seven Toyotas uh, and 15 Fords uh, competing in this event. Some of the previous winners in the field include Jimmy Johnson with three wins, Denny Hamlin with two, Brad Keselowski, Eric Jones, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, and Matt Kenseth, all with one win. Uh, some of the drivers that are in the field that have won in different series 
include Denny Hamlin, Matt Kenseth, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, Cole Custer, and Joey Logano. Again, with this shuffle up like that, again, quite a mixture up at the top, uh, as well as throughout the field, those first 30 laps definitely going to be interesting as they work towards that competition uh, competition uh, caution. It'll be interesting to see. Again, there's going to be no practice and no qualifying, so teams are going to have to uh, run what they brung, as they say. So you either got it or you don't. you got a 30-lap gap before you get your first adjustment. So I think it's going to be quite interesting. I, like I said, the more I, the more I looked at this and thought about the way it was going to go, and after watching the draw for the lineup today, and I know the next race they're going to do the invert. Uh, I think it could add some real excitement and twist to NASCAR that they maybe look at in the future again. Okay, so we'll have to see how that goes. Um, now, I do want to talk about some things to watch in this race because uh, uh, this is uh, uh, a big race at Darlington. Uh, a lot of the drivers have said it's amazing that they're coming back to one of the hardest tracks that are on the track or on the schedule uh, is Darlington Raceway. And so, especially for the rookies, I think this is going to be a very interesting race uh, for these drivers. So, again, they'll be racing the Real Heroes 400 at Darlington this Sunday, May the 17th at 3.30 at p.m. Eastern Time. It will be on Fox. Uh, expect a green flag sometime around 3:45 there, and um, uh, you can watch. You can also hear it on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Uh, they're racing 400 miles. That means there's 293 laps. I know Jay already went over the stage uh, breakdown. Last year's winner of this race was Eric Jones. So uh, let's uh, let's start at the bottom here too, and we'll go every other one, Jay, with uh, what to watch for at Darlington. All right, let me find the bottom of it here. I know this is in the email you sent me. All right. The fewest laps led in. There we go. Uh, The fewest laps led in the NASCAR Cup race at Darlington Raceway by the race winner was just the final lap by Ricky Craven on March 16, 2013. Started the race from the 31st position and ended up winning. And that was one of the closest races in NASCAR history, as that was with the battle with Kurt Busch. I remember that. Okay. Yeah, that was a fun one. That's that was one of the more exciting finishes. I think a lot of people remember that race. Okay, now the most laps led in the NASCAR Cup Series race at Darlington Raceway um, is uh, at least one. Let's see. I I skipped here, (laughs) so give me a chance to go back. At Darlington Race by a race winner was 351 laps of the scheduled 400 laps. That was 87% of the laps, uh, and that was accomplished by Johnny Mance. On September 4th of 1950, Jay, uh, that's pretty cool. He started the race from the 43rd position, uh, the most laps led in a NASCAR Cup Series race at Darlington by a driver that did not win the race 
uh, and that was 284 laps of the scheduled 367 laps, 77% by Kyle Larson on September 2nd of 2018. And keep in mind there, uh, Matt Kenseth is going to be in that car, so it might be a sleeper mm-hmm. pick as I know we got some more picks coming in. Uh, in total, yes. we've had 163 different drivers in the NASCAR Cup Series that have led at least one lap at Darlington Raceway. NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt leads the series in laps led at the track with 2,648 in 44 series starts. Now, Kyle Busch leads all active drivers with 716 laps in 15 starts. And Kyle Busch, obviously, another favorite going into this weekend. Without a doubt. Okay, now the first starting position is the most proficient starting position in the field. Uh, they ha- that position has produced more winners, a total of 20, uh, than any other starting position at Darlington. So getting that pole position is a really big deal. Uh, now the outside front row, second place, has produced the second most wins. That's 17. So right now we have uh, Brad Keselowski and Alex Bowman on the front row this weekend. Uh, The deepest in the field uh, that a race winner has started is 43rd. And again, that was done by Johnny Mance back in 1950. That was the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series event held at the historic raceway of Darlington, the Lady in Black. And that tells you just the the wide range that that track has, the history of that track. I know they've been on a one race a year um, for the past couple of years. The way things played out, they get a couple of races this year. I like it for that facility because it's definitely one of the historic tracks on the NASCAR circuit. Yes, indeed. Going back to a little bit of history there, a total of 11 different drivers have won from the pole at Darlington led by David Pearson, who has four wins from the pole. 1971, 72, and then in 1976, swept both. Kevin Harvick is the only active driver to have won from the pole, and he did it in 2014. Okay. Now, the youngest Darlington Cup Series pole winner uh, is uh, somebody I think people are familiar with, William Byron. He did that uh, last September 1st, uh, just last year, uh, at 21 years, 9 months, and 3 days. Now, the oldest pole winner is David Pearson, who did it on September 6th of 1982. He was 47 years, 8 months, and 15 days. So that's a pretty cool stat as well. It is, and we'll see some of those uh, younger ones, records like that being broke more and more with the crop of rookies we have this year and in the coming years. So keep an eye on that. Going into the different, uh, 51 different drivers have won the Bush Pole at Darlington in the Cup Series. Again, NASCAR Hall of Famer David Pearson leads that as well in the series with 12, tied with another Hall of Famer, Cale Yarbrough, who has 12 at Daytona for the second most poles all time at a single track in the NASCAR Cup Series. Pearson also holds the series record for most poles at a single track with 14, coming at Charlotte. Kurt Busch in 2001 and 13, and Kevin Harvick in 2014 and 17 lead all active drivers 
in polls at Darlington, and they each have a pair. Okay, now six drivers have posted their first career Cup Series win at Darlington Raceway. That includes a name we've heard already, Johnny Mance, who did it in 1950. Uh, Nelson Stacy did it in 1961. Larry Frank in 1962. Terry Labonte in 1980. Lake Speed did it in 1988. Regan Smith in 2011. So, uh, again, I, I like hearing some of these stats. It gives some of the history of that track. It is, and it is such a historic track, Jay. It is, uh, without a doubt. Uh, again, one of the longest turned tenured on the NASCAR circuit. And when we look at the winners, again, we got the youngest Cup Series Darlington winner came last year, Eric Jones, uh, on September 1st, 2019. He was 22 years 11 months and two days. And the oldest series Darlington winner is Harry Gant. Uh, September 1st, 1991, he was 51 years, seven months and 22 days. It was a couple that would be tough to beat both on the young age and on the old age. (laughs) That's true. Okay. I think... I think we already covered that, but I'll go ahead and do the next one. Darlington Raceway uh, has actually hosted 116 NASCAR Cup Series races dating back to 1950. Uh, The 116 Cup races have produced 51 different uh, winners led by NASCAR Hall of Famer David Pearson with 10 victories, eight of the 51 winners will be active this weekend, led by seven-time series champ Jimmy Johnson with three wins. Eric Jones is the most recent winner at Darlington, uh, as we mentioned earlier. And speaking of Jimmy Johnson, uh, he was on the uh, Jim Rome show uh, earlier this week. I think it was even yesterday. And uh, he asked him about his retirement and his thoughts about it amid the uh, COVID-19 break uh, that's taken place here. That also is posted at FanFracing.com if anyone cares to uh, take some time to listen to it. it it's pretty interesting. Uh, certainly interesting, and I know we had kind of talked about that just as we went into this break of not knowing um, how that would affect his decision and what his thoughts are. So be interesting to see how that goes as the season now progresses. Yes, indeed. Okay, now I do want to, uh, before we get into the audio uh, that I have from uh, Matt Kenseth and and uh, uh, Matt Kenseth and uh, Ryan Newman, uh, there's a couple other things that I think I want to make sure we mention here, and that is uh, Kevin Harvick right now is leading the point standings. He's just one point ahead of Joy Logano in second place uh, and the Hendrick Motorsports trio of Chase Elliott, who's in third, Alex Bowman is in fourth, and Jimmy Johnson is fifth. They round out the top five in points. Now, Harvick has finished inside the top ten in all four starts so far this season, and he's the only driver to have done so uh, in the 2020 season. Stuart Haas Racing also has three of their drivers in the top 15 currently, and Team Penske has all three of their drivers sitting in the top 10. 
So that's something I think uh, that fans should know going into this race at Darlington this weekend. Interesting, especially with the mix-up amongst the uh, for qualifying in the in the starting position. Um, we'll see what kind of momentum these teams uh, carry over. The ones that were on hot streaks and running well, and it might have been time for part some of those teams to play catch up. We talked about the Joe Gibbs uh, Racing Toyota not quite having the stellar year that they started off with last year. So maybe they're able to make a jump back up and get back into the mix of things. Okay, and just a reminder for everybody, too, Team Penske's Joy Logano won the first, uh, won two of the first four races this year. He won at Las Vegas Motor Speedway and Phoenix Raceway. Uh, and Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin dominated the Daytona 500 with Hendrick Motorsports' Alex Bowman winning the third race of the year at Auto Club Speedway. All three of those drivers are now locked into the playoffs for the 2020 season. Again, I, right now, I, I know we kind of had that off break. I forget, forget about that, that with a few races in, those four races, that we did have some winners and obviously locked-in drivers. Uh, Joey Logano being one we talked about of, of having the uh, the best start so far, picking up two wins, although Kevin Harvick, again, leading the points based on his top ten finishes in every race. So, uh, like I said, I think it's going to be real interesting. And you mentioned it earlier. I hadn't really thought about it. To be coming back after this kind of break to Darlington, the, the toughest uh, track, too <laughs> tough to tame, one of the hardest, especially on rookies. You take away practice and qualifying. Um, could be real, real interesting. Exactly. Uh, now, the Real Heroes 400 uh, will have a pre-race national anthem, and it, that will be done by uh, – uh, South Carolina native and Grammy award-winning country artist Darius Rucker. Uh, a lot of people remember him from Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, so that will be fun uh, to have him at the track this weekend uh, with the national anthem. And I think that's going to be – I don't know if he'll be at the track or if he'll do that offline like um, – online like uh, we've seen some of the, dry, some of the uh, national anthems for the e-racing uh, so that's going to be interesting. But I think one of the things that uh, fans should be aware of, too, is that there's going to, there's going to be the Real Heroes 400 uh, is a partnership uh, to honor frontline health care workers in partnership with the Real Heroes Project, an initiative by 14 sports leagues to recognize and honor medical professionals in the fight against the COVID-19. So uh, that's where the name Real Heroes 400 comes from. And in association with Fox and the race teams, each driver's name above their window will be replaced with the name of an individual healthcare worker who is currently battling the pandemic as a thank you for their dedication. Now, the healthcare workers will also appear in an on-air mosaic in order to simultaneously give the command for the drivers to start their engines. So I think that's pretty cool as well. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I'm really proud of this sport and, and all of the sports that are taking time to honor all of these healthcare professionals who are going above and beyond right now. Most certainly that is something, and I've seen the commercials for it and leading up to this, um, and it's one of those of the names that could be mentioned 
you know, across the states, all 50 states that, that have been doing things like that. Um, unfortunately, a couple of them have uh, contracted the, the COVID uh, flu. Um, wish the best for all of them as they battle it. But putting, putting their life on the line in order to help the mass majority. Without a doubt. Okay. Now then, I want to make sure, um, too, that we get in these interviews with Matt Kenseth and Ryan Newman. I'm going to start with Matt Kenseth because his is about uh, 10 minutes and 47 seconds. He'll be racing again in the number 42 for Chip Ganassi Racing. That's a Chevrolet. And uh, it'll be interesting to hear what his thoughts are uh, about his return to racing and some of the questions he was asked by the media today in the teleconference. So let's take a listen to that now, Jay. All right. Yeah, so we've now been joined by Matt Kenseth, driver of the number 42 Credit One Bank Chevrolet for Chip Ganassi Racing. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yes, all right. We're going to go ahead and um, go to media for questions. As a friendly reminder, please hold your question to one at a time. And, um, Tom, we're ready when you are. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, again, it's star one. If you do have a question, star one at this time. We'll go next to, we'll go first to Jenna Fryer with the Associated Press. Hey, Matt. How are you? Good morning. Good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. I'm wondering, um, what, what is your understanding of the setup of the car when you get there? You haven't been in a car since uh, the end of 2018. Um, has that discussed what kind of Uh, Chad assures me it's going to be perfect. Awesome, great. You should win the race then. Yeah, yeah, how was that? Um, I mean, yes and no. I mean, we've, um, you know, I leave that job to, to him and the engineers, everybody here at CCR. They've, they've ran really well at Bellington the last two years, so um, I'm thinking they're probably not going to veer too far off of that. Um, you know, and I think you'll run those first 30 laps, and then you get the kind of extended cautions there to be able to kind of make make some small adjustments and, and go from there. So I, I don't think it's real different than what they ran here uh, last year, maybe even the year before. Okay, thank you. Well, we'll go next to Lee Spencer, RacingBoys.com. Welcome back, Matt. Thank you. I'm uh, just curious how much time you spent in the simulator to prepare for this weekend. Uh, about 15 minutes or so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I went over there. You still, uh, there's a lot of good things, uh, you know, about it, um, but it's still not exactly the race car. So I, I've been doing as much as I can as far as, you know, being prepared and looking at data and reading notes. And um, going to the simulator was one of those boxes. You know, I wanted to check, so I did go there and drive it, and make a make a few runs at Darlington, and kind of just kind of drive it, felt comfortable, and, and all that stuff. But it really didn't spend an extended period of time there because, in my mind, it's still still not like driving the race car. There's a lot of things that are very similar, but there's a lot of things that are that are different as well. So I, I did spend a little bit of time there, but but not a lot. Appreciate your time. Thank you. From. We'll take your next question from Claire B. Lang with Sirius XM Radio, um, NASCAR Radio. 
Thank you. Good to have you back, Matt. And I wonder when you roll off at Darlington and you think about the field at the start of the race and jumping in the car, what are your thoughts? How do you think it will look? It could be a little bit crazy, or maybe not. Everybody's professional. You've been around a long time. How do you envision this all happening at the start? <laughs> well, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't know. We'll have to see where everybody starts. and uh, Nobody's been in a car for a while. Uh, certainly it's been longer for me, and I think the biggest difference for me also is that I haven't driven these race cars or, or driven for this team. Um, so kind of a few more unknowns and not sure, you know, how exactly everything's going to feel and um, all that kind of stuff. So, so certain, certainly there's a little bit of anxiety for those first few corners until you kind of get rolling and get used to things. And, and at the same time, everybody's going to be uh, everybody's going to be ready to pounce, you know, it's um, – Restarts are very important. Practice is very important, and um, you always want to get what you can get when you can get it. So I don't expect uh, people to be taking it real easy or, or, or maybe giving you a whole bunch of extra room or anything like that. You certainly don't expect any kind of special treatment. You know everybody's going to be out there ready to pounce, get whatever spot they can. So you're just going to have to try to be smart, and uh, uh, especially for me, just try to be start, smart and uh, you know get through those those first bunch of laps and kind of hopefully get in a rhythm, get a little bit of room to move around and breathe and get kind of acclimated and go from there. You have some fun out there. Thank you. Appreciate it, Matt. Yeah, no problem. Good talking to you. You too. And we'll take our next question from Liz Clark with the Washington Post. Uh, Matt, um, thanks for doing this, Matt. Um, I'm wondering if you could summarize the the kinds of records and logs that drivers are being asked to keep track of you know, for safety's sake, and and I assume you're good with that, and it makes sense. But I, I'd love, in addition, your your thought about having to do that. Uh, I can't really touch on that one very much. I think that would be a better better question for for somebody from NASCAR. So I think that's still. Uh, uh, I, I read the booklet and packet, packet, and uh, there's gonna be a bunch of questions. I know you got to answer on Saturday and Sunday um, before you get to Arlington, but I, I have not seen that. Got it. Totally understand. Well, be safe. Uh, enjoy yourself. Yeah, thank you. We'll go next to Bob Popperance with Fox Sports. Yeah, Matt, drivers are being told to stay in their motorhomes. So I was kind of curious, are, do you have a motorhome? Have you rented a motorhome, or will you just have to drive down and kind of stay in your car? <laughs> yeah, so um, I was just planning on driving my car down for the first bunch of the weeks. Um, you know, but I kind of heard that as well, and I know they're trying to keep everybody kind of kind of in their own, you know, kind of by themselves as much as they can, away from a bunch of other people. So, um, so yeah, I still I still have my motorhome. Um, hoping to sell it, didn't. So uh, thankfully, I, I still had it, and uh, I'll have that there. So I'll have somewhere to somewhere to hang out for a while. Thank you. We'll go next to Alex and Driv with Charlotte Observer. Hey, Matt, thank you for taking uh, the questions. Um, Kurt Bush was just on the line and said that he has plans to actually head to the race shop um, and talk to his crew chief. I'm curious if you have already been to the shop in person or uh, have met up with Tony Raines at all or have plans to do that before uh, heading to Darlington. No, I haven't met with Tony, my spotter, yet. Um, I met with Chad a bunch of times. Um, I'm actually at the shop right now. I was just meeting with him and uh, 
him and him and Chip when I ran up there here to, to make this call. So yeah, I've been over here a, a fair amount. You know, like um, touched on before, it's different with the shifts. There's not a lot of people here, you know, at the same time. Um, but I'm actually, just going through all the final final details of the the car for Sunday right now, just making sure the fit is good and kind of kind of going through uh, going through all that stuff to get ready. Okay. Thank you. We'll go next to Daniel McFadden with NBC Sports. Yeah, Matt, you, you've been you started racing at Darlington in, in 1997. I was wondering, like, at what point in your career did you feel comfortable with Darlington and all all the challenges it, it presented to you as a driver? And how differently does this track race uh, in the daylight and early in the, in the middle of the spring compared to? Uh, you know, late in the evening at the end of summer? Well, I mean, things, things change rapidly. You know, I think Darlington and, and and Rockingham was still on the schedule. Those those tracks down there in that part of the, the state, all the sand and, and the environment down there seem, and the hot sun and all that stuff, seem to change more than most tracks that you go to from year to year. Um, Darlington's obviously changed a lot during the years. It's been a free pave in between there and Certainly, keeps getting bumpier, uh, all that kind of stuff. But I think the cars and setups, rules, and all that stuff seem to change probably, probably faster than what the, the tracks change. So it's a little different every time you go down. I don't know that I have a good comparison for for a day race in May compared to a, a, a summer race in September. It sounds like it's going to be the first hot day of the year uh, on Sunday. It sounds like it's supposed to get to 90 last time I looked, and that's about the same as it is usually when we're down there down there in Labor Day, so I don't really anticipate it being that much different at the start of the race, but certainly it's, uh, it's still going to be you know, light at the end of the race, so the end of the race I think will be will be different than, than the second one. I think it changes definitely a little bit at night. I think it picks up speed and changes balance just, just a little bit. We'll take our final question for Matt from Greg Engel with Drive Tribe. Uh, thanks. Glad to be the, the last one. Well, and all welcome back. Um, for, but uh, you obviously this kind of this advantage kind of came up at a at a you know an opportunity for this. And so, how important is it for you when you get back and everything get back, gets back to normal? Is it for you to showcase your skills um, going forward and maybe setting up uh, racing for the future beyond this year? Right now, I'm not really looking too far beyond Sunday, to be totally honest with you. But um, you know, certainly uh, the learning curve is going to be steep. I know that uh, you know, being out of a car that long and starting with a different team, and then you know, piling on top of all that, not having you know practice um, for the foreseeable future or testing or anything like that, um, it's going to be it's going to be very challenging. So, um, but I, I'm really excited. I got to admit, I'm as excited as I've been to go racing in many many years. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting to the track. Um, you know, I really like this group of guys. Uh, the cars look nice. The Camaros look like they're really fast. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity. I just know that's going to be a it's going to be a big challenge. I'm going to have to work hard and do my best to, to try to take advantage of the opportunity. Thank you, Matt. Welcome back and have fun Sunday. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Okay, so. Uh, that was the interview with uh, Matt Kenseth at, uh, during the uh, teleconferences today with some media members. Uh, you, what are your thoughts about his comments there? 
Well, a couple of, a couple of things I took away. First off, just the number of challenges he is facing, uh, having been out of the car. Uh, I believe this is the first time he's been with Chevrolet. I know he's been with Ford and Toyota, so his first time with Chevrolet, let alone Chip Ganassi Racing uh, being over there. So just the, the number of different challenges he's going to face. Certain things like going to Darlington with no practice uh, kind of lends to his favor as an experienced driver. Yet, on the other hand, there are some that obviously have been in a car more recently um, than he has, although everybody's been on a break, um, kind of leads towards their favor. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how he does behind the wheel there these first couple of races. Well, one thing that's kind of cool, though, uh, that's happening at Chip Ganassi Racing is they have two veteran drivers now that are going to be in those cars, Kurt Busch in the number one and Matt Kenseth in the 42. And they've been tim- teammates before uh, at uh, Roush Fenway Racing. So uh, I'm, I'm wondering how that's going to work out uh, if uh, being together with another veteran driver uh, will help Kurt Busch and Matt Kenseth both. I, w- I would think so. Uh, you're right. I'd forgotten that they had been teammates back at Roush Fenway uh, back in the five car days, I believe, when when Roush had five. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that is a benefit to them of having both of them be experienced drivers, uh, veterans that can lean on each other. And uh, I know every driver has their own little things. We've seen it before in the past where it didn't work when you had two veteran drivers. Uh, I think Kurt Busch and Matt Kenseth are both ones, though, that – uh, would work well together uh, in trying to accomplish the best thing. Okay. Yeah, I I really am uh, glad to see him back. I'm glad he didn't sell his motor home, so he's got a place to go to uh, other than his car this weekend. Um, and uh, I'm really glad to see him back at the track. I, I think it's going to be great to see him racing. He's done well at Darlington before. Um uh, so yeah, he is. He does have some challenges uh, coming back after not having raced. I think they said his last race was in. I can't remember now if it was 17 or or 18, but uh, it's, he's he's been out of the car for a while. Uh, but it sounds like he's really excited about coming back, and uh, I'm I'm anxious to see how everything goes this weekend for him. I was kind of curious as to how he answered, uh, you know, and he did the typical thing of a driver, um, uh, what, what is the future for? And he said, well, right now I'm focused on one race, and that's this weekend is Sunday at Darlington. So <laughs> kind of played that off. But, you know, I also know from the junior podcast, um, he made the statement that he never retired. He didn't choose to leave, you know, that right. he didn't make the decision to retire. So, um, it's possible that we might see this lead to something. Uh, again, have to see how he does and whether or not he wants back in that kind of rigorous schedule. But um, I don't think he was ready to leave. So this at least kind of gives him more of an opportunity to leave on his terms, as, as, as athletes like to say. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because as I was listening to the interview, I was thinking, man, I should have called in because I'm surprised nobody asked him how this all came about. Uh, did he call chip ganassi or did chip ganassi call him um uh i i would kind of like to know that uh and i've got a feeling it was matt kenseth who called and i don't know that for a fact uh but i would have liked to have asked that question to find out 
but I'm I, again, I'm really glad that he's back. I think he's a great driver, and uh, uh, I think he does have more racing uh, success uh, to to have on the track. And uh, I'm glad to see him get an opportunity to do that. You know, that's kind of weird. I, like you said, I never saw anything official about it or him, obviously not in this segment, he got asked. But I thought it was a Ganassi that went to him as just the best available oh. driver being the position they were in and the sponsors that they needed to lock down. Um, I, that's just kind of the feeling I got, that, that Ganassi went to him as a, a top driver, a solid driver, and one that he could bring to the sponsors um, as that was part of the issue. Yes. Yes. So anyway, uh, I thought it was a good interview. Uh, uh, I wish somebody would have asked that question, and maybe they already know it, and I just don't. But uh, uh, I thought the interview was good, and uh, again, real excited to have him back at the track. Now, next up, we do have uh, uh, Ryan Newman. Yeah, sure. One one other thing before you jump in there. The other thing that caught my attention, which I, I'd kind of forgotten again, you hear all this stuff, um, don't really think about, but for people that are wondering, you know, how come, it, you know, they get to go to the track and be out when nobody else does. They talked about drivers supposed to be staying in their motor home in, the, in that quarantine. Um, one of the procedures we didn't talk about was post-race celebration. There is to be no high five, oh, no yeah. fist bumps. The driver will do a... I don't remember how they said it, some type of uh, interview um, from the track right outside their car and then go to uh, Victory Lane by themselves. Um, yeah, out the crew, yeah, that it'll just be, be the, fo- the photograph with the driver and the trophy. Now, I do know, um, I do have an email on that because – uh, as you know, media is not going to be there either. There will be no one-on-one interviews from the media uh, this weekend. Everything's taking place uh, like like what happened today, all these teleconferences uh, the te- before there we the go. Darlington was... race. Yeah. So uh, they're going to have, uh, uh, let's see, in-race uh Let's see, NASCAR, let's see, let me get this. Okay, NASCAR will host a series of video conferences and or teleconferences in advance advance of each race event. Driver availability schedule will be released in advance, uh, and then all those details will be made available to the media. Um, Now then, for those, access to drivers weren't available post-race on Sunday. We'll also host a video teleconference or teleconference on Monday and or Tuesday, and that includes storyline drivers from the previous event, drivers from the top ten in points, and, again, participation details will be announced to uh, the media. Uh, again, they're limiting the number of photographers that will be uh, there and they will be in a pool for coverage, um, uh, and uh, so a lot of this, they're they're really discouraging media to be at the track. They are allowing a limited amount of people in the press box, uh, so a lot of the the interviews and things uh, that we are in, it says no in-person interviews will be available. All non-brass broadcast partner media interviews will be done 
uh, via the post-race teleconferences, uh, via Zoom, with uh, pertinent information and details available uh, for uh, the NASCAR media. So uh, they're really strongly encouraging all media outlets to cover the events from a remote location. Um, And even if they do come to the track, it'll be an... um, uh, they will get a staging location that will be outside of the track. So, um, again, all individuals will have their temperature checked, uh, all crew members, all drivers, uh, before they'll be allowed to be on the track. So uh, all of that is done in conjunction with NASCAR's uh, communications with the CDC and local and state and federal guidelines. So they're trying to do everything they can to make sure uh, that everybody is protected and safe uh, in this environment. And uh, um, until a lot of this will probably be in place until there's some kind of a vaccine uh, that becomes available in a mass distribution. So uh, very interesting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, all of the winner, let me see. The in-race, post-race stat reports. I'm trying to see what they said about the winner. The top three drivers in race winning crew chief will be available. Uh, again, it's through a video teleconference. Uh, so, And all of those things will be given uh, directly to media members. So um, that's, that's the only thing that's going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I know all the I... Go ahead. Fox is doing it where the, the broadcasters, they're going to broadcast from the Fox studio that, that even the television broadcast yes. won't be originating from the track as well. Yes. So it's going to have a very different look and feel uh, when we're watching this on, on uh, NASCAR. Now, here's a couple of other things. NASCAR is offering, uh, like if you have NASCAR mobile, you can get the scanners and some of the driver stats and information uh, available for free uh, during this, um, you know, no race, no fans at the racetrack. Uh, they're offering that information free for fans. So you can go to NASCAR.com and get more information on that as well. All right. I might have to check that out. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Okay, now uh, I want to make sure we also get a chance uh, to listen to the interview uh, with Ryan Newman. I listened to it earlier, and there's about two minutes of just uh, banter before the interview actually started. So I did get it keyed up. Again, this interview is actually 42 minutes and 12 seconds. Uh, We're not going to be able to listen to the whole thing. But I I do want to listen to a significant amount of it, uh, somewhere between five and ten minutes. I'll find a good uh, stopping spot. Uh, But he really shed some light uh, from his perspective of the accident that took place at Daytona and uh, his thoughts about coming back. So um, uh, I thought it would really be of interest to uh, race fans. So we're going to go ahead and play that now. Okay, Jay? Yep. All right. Thank everyone for uh, joining us here today. Uh, we'll just start out and let Ryan talk a minute about returning to the racetrack, uh, obviously after a hiatus since his uh, accident in Daytona, and then uh, 
I hate us with the sport in general. So, Ryan. Yeah, I'm happy to uh, to see y'all in uh, the capacity that I can after everything that happened in Daytona. I uh, feel very blessed and fortunate, as I think you've read or heard me say several times, to uh, be able to talk to you guys and uh, get the opportunity to return to my race car seat. Not just any seat, but my race car seat. And um, Arlington, of all places, being my favorite racetrack. So look forward to uh, getting down there on Sunday and um, you know, having the, uh, like the expedited weekend, I guess you'd say, um, and the opportunity to uh, – to um, get sports uh, back rolling again when it comes to NASCAR. All right, so what we'll try to do is get through as many questions as you guys have. So if you want to do the raise your hand icon or you can type your question however you're most comfortable doing it or you can wave your hand, just not ask to stay on mute if you're not asking a question, and then when uh, I'll unmute you when, when you have one. So who wants to start out? Newman, we have missed you obviously all this time. And my question for you is, as you come back into all of it and all this extra stuff is thrown at you, all this extra stuff comes your way, um, is there a lot more for you to digest? Because even some of the drivers that have been doing this all along advice had to add some things to digest here. How about you, man? I mean, I know it's different, and I guess it's got some complexities to it, but in the end – um, we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't think we were capable of it. So that's that's a combination of everything. That's a combination of of uh, going to the racetrack with no practice, no qualifying. Um, you know the situation that we have with the virus uh, and making sure that we're staying healthy and keeping our distance, uh, being socially acceptable and doing so. Um, you know it's all manageable. It's just it's going to be different. Uh, but the reality is, is once we get the green flag to drop, aside from a, a mandatory caution. Um, it's going to be racing, and racing as the fans have always enjoyed it, and hopefully we can um, set a standard that uh, allows everybody, including the fans, to uh, enjoy the race and have fun. Jack Roush told me that you were going to be like a 16-year-old who just got his driver's license. You would be so excited. Is that true? Hell, I'm like that every day. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck. Thank Let's go you. to the best look. Ryan, I guess one thing that um, is still uh, amazing to me is, is that, you know, you're here at all. Um, from from your, your understanding and everything you know now about the crash, um, what happened inside the car to allow you to survive and be here talking to us today? Well, I think you can uh, pay a lot of attribution to the safety of the race car, the safety of my helmet, my equipment. I mean, I can I – can, um, I mean, whatever – they always say things happen for a reason, and this was this year was the um, probably the fourth race that I had on a brand new style helmet um, uh, awry or the um, the, uh, the carbon fiber uh, zero helmet that uh, I was wearing that uh, first time I second time I had worn it in cup competition, and um, I don't know you name it, uh, everything aligned um, in so many ways. Um, you know the safety workers, the personnel that were involved that uh, were inside the car with me, spent time with me during and after the crash. Every, every layer of it, um, there was multiple miracles, big miracles and little miracles, in my opinion, that, um, that um, aligned for me to be able to uh, 
to walk out days later with my hands around my daughters and and uh, to be thankful. So um, I can't answer all those things, and I don't think anybody can when miracles do happen. But um, we need to be thankful for that. At least I am, and um, you know I, I just proud of how everybody's united in the past say 20 years that I've been involved in the sport to make the tracks safer, the walls safer, the cockpit safer, the seats safer, um, you know, all the work that's gone into that collectively by not just the NASCAR world, but everybody, um, you know, people in sprint car racing, people in IndyCar racing, it's it's uh, the net result. I am the net result, or at least I feel like I am. It's not just the Newman bar. It's not just the Petty bar or an Earnhardt bar. It's, it's the, the net effort of everybody in auto racing um, that I think contributed up to that day. All right, uh, Bob Pockers. Yeah, Ryan, there were so many rumors going around about your health in the hours after the accident. Um, do you know what, from a medical standpoint, what your condition was? How, I mean, how touch and go was it on whether you would live? I had no idea. Uh, I was medically treated to, that, to not know. Um, you know, they were trying to keep me in a somewhat of a medically uh, induced coma from what I've been told. And that medicine uh, kind of zoned me out. So I really don't have any memories or recollection of any of my crash until I actually had my arms around my daughter's wall out of the hospital. Um, again, when they give you those medicines and you're knocked out, you don't know what's going on. Um, and you have... I was able to walk out in the condition that I was. And as I watched um, in the next, um, call it 24 hours, as I watched um, the crash and had to make myself believe what I had went through, and I really looked to my dad to say, hey, did, that, did this really happen? Like, it was, it was kind of like, it, it, there's no deja vu when there's no deja. I mean, it's like, it was just kind of like, all right, I believe you. Um, it's crazy. I'm happy I'm here. I mean, so did you ask, and, like, were, did they do any other medical procedures besides putting you in a medically-induced coma? No, I had nothing nothing that was wrong with me. I've got, um, I guess they put a pick line in my shoulder, which I'm not really sure exactly what all that was for. Um, and, and medically, I was just treated so that I could be calm, um, so that they would kind of um, numb my brain, so to speak, so that I could just sit there and rest and... Um, I wouldn't say call it a vegetative state, but I was I was um, I wasn't a fruit either. <laughs> it was it was I was um, I was meant to be um, relaxed. I will go to Dustin Long and Tucker White. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and end it there and uh, get your thoughts because I think that was uh, new information for a lot of people uh, that Ryan Newman provided there. Yeah, I had heard uh, parts of that. Um, parts of it were still new, the, the medically induced coma, if you will, as he referred to it. Um, I knew that he didn't said he didn't have much as far as memory up until being able to put his arms around his daughters. Um, that I had heard before. Um, but as far as why with the medically induced coma and the effects of that of, uh, of why he couldn't remember, it was new to me. So, um I just thank the good Lord. I mean, that is, it is unbelievable. I can only imagine being in his position, having to, like he said, go back and watch that race and be like, wait, that's me. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't. I I can't imagine it to a certain degree because uh, I I had an injury that I don't remember, and uh, I fell and broke my back, and I don't. I, I remember uh, just a few words that I said before it happened, and the next thing I knew, I was in an ambulance. <laughs> And then I was out again, and and so I can relate to it from that perspective because um, there are things that you just don't remember. And the doctor said it may or may not come back to me, uh, and and the same thing for him. They they purposely try to keep him in a calm mode uh, for his body to recover. I mean, his body went through tremendous trauma, and. Um, uh, to put him in a medically induced coma makes sense uh, to me uh, to keep his body calm so that it could heal more quickly. And it certainly did. I think we were all surprised uh, when he was able to walk out of the hospital with his girls in hand. Um, uh, and, and I again, I'm really glad to see him back at the racetrack. Uh, I'm really happy that he's happy about being back at the racetrack. And he's right about all of the advances uh, that have been taken over the years for uh, these drivers to be safe uh, from those types of accidents. It, it really is a miracle. He says later on he, he knows he's a walking miracle, and it is so true. It, it indeed is, and I know they've talked about that several times of one of the bars in the car that came into play was known as the Newman Bar from the previous um, situation. And you, although you never want to see something like that, you know that NASCAR takes a deep look at that and the things that are developed because of it, um, you know, whether it be the safer barriers, different roll bars, um, that that it's going to be that much better into the future. Um, Cause it's one of those things, all the projections you want, you always seen it time and time again with different walls or spots where cars end up hitting that they're just like, they, there's no way they expected a car to get in that position, but it can happen. So um, that's the one good thing, I guess you got to take away from it is that these things work. They obviously had had that before everything came into play and worked right. And that from that, they can develop new things of things that now they might be able to see, be like, hey, this could happen or that could happen, and this is what we can do to try and prevent it or minimize any damage from it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, now, I want to also point out uh, that, you know, NASCAR is kind of on a national stage this weekend because it's one of the first sports uh, to be back uh, in action uh, although there are no fans in the stands, they are athletes that are out there on the track and, and participating in their sport. And not many sports are doing that right now. So a lot of people are kind of watching to see what happens with NASCAR this weekend and all of the procedures that they have in place, the taking of their temperature um, and, and everything that they put into place to kind of social distance everybody throughout the uh, sports weekend. Uh, during that sports day, really. And um, uh, I'm just uh, I, I'm curious to know your thoughts about that. And then I, I do want to, we're going to have a few minutes here, uh, go over, we have our race picks uh, for the Cup Series anyway, uh, for the Darlington races that are coming up this Sunday, as well as the one that will be taking place next Wednesday. 
so, Jay? Well, all right. Um, I know that you, you and I kind of talked about this, uh, you know, the, the situation. And I know for every person, the COVID-19 virus is, is going to affect them differently. Um, I think some things that were done have been over the top. But I also understand that to protect the majority or do the best interest of everybody, things that need to happen. Uh, for example, I mentioned the whole post-race celebration, no high fives, no fist bumps. Mm-hmm. To me, I think that's a little over the top. But NASCAR has to put themselves in a position, as did the country, as did the states and everything, you know, of unfortunately in this day and age, you know, business to when they start opening back up, they don't want anybody to come to them and say, hey, you didn't do your due diligence and it cost me and I'm going to sue you or whatever. So, um I do think that they are doing some things maybe a little over the top, but I don't blame them either, you know. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see how it goes, and you're right. They are going to be the lead example. Uh, I know around here dirt tracks are, are getting ready and doing different things. Um, you know, it's a new world we're going to have to enter into and do it gradually, that too. I, I think that the stage portion of it, you know, not let the fans in right away. Next, next they do these two or four races – Maybe they can say, okay, we can sell out half the grandstand. You got to sit every ten seats or something, you know, and take it stage mm-hmm. by stage. Yep, it is going to be interesting to see how all of this unfolds. Uh, but uh, I am proud of NASCAR for kind of setting the pace, if you will, <laughs> and uh, being on the forefront of this. I, I hope it does go well. And I know we'll probably talk about this in Hot Topics as well, so I don't want to go too far into it. Uh, but but I do have a sincere hope uh, that this all goes well and according to plan and, and that everyone is safe. Obviously, and again, you know, NASCAR is always about safety first. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I got questions as far as, you know, obviously a sport like this, the the – a good part of the revenue comes from the fans, which aren't there of who's footing the bill. That's got to be some of that's got to be on their own. So they're willing to do that. Um, at least to get, again, trying to be fair to the driver's teams, the season to save the season. So um, I think that they're doing that as well as safety is always, I mean, in racing safety is always paramount and at the forefront of everybody's mind, no matter what decision you make, whether it's to throw a caution flag, a red flag or anything, you know, safety is always the number one concern. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I think NASCAR has shown uh, that they're putting that up front and center uh, as they put together some of the procedures that they have in place. And, again, as race fans, uh, we have to kind of give benefit of the doubt here, I think, uh, and not be too critical. Uh, it's always good to see things. It's easy to see things in 2020. Uh, you know, in hindsight, uh, NASCAR will obviously learn things from this weekend that they can implement in future races. So uh, sometimes you can't foresee everything, uh, but I think that they've done a good job, uh, from what I can tell, of trying to put in place uh, some really good procedures uh, to keep everyone safe this weekend. Now, I do want to get into our Darlington Picks. Uh, before we get into hot topics, uh, I guess what I'll do here, I'll do the first, I'll do uh, Andy Owen and Sam's picks. If you want to do the next three, does that work for you? Okay, you're going to do Andy, Sam, and Owens. Okay. Yeah. 
So Andy had the last pick uh, because he had the race winner from the previous race. Uh, And he took Bowman in race one. That's the race that's taking place this Sunday. And for Wednesday's race, he took Martin Truex Jr. Owen uh, took Kurt Busch for Sunday's race and Eric Almarola for Wednesday's race. Uh, Sam took Denny Hamlin for uh, Sunday's race. And he has Ryan Blaney for the race on Wednesday. All right. And keep going backwards then as, again, what what we did, give you a real quick recap. The last race that we did have was Phoenix. Um, Worst finish got to pick first. We're going to do it two races at a time, being that we're going to have some short turnarounds. So you're getting to pick both your picks um, right off the get-go. And... Give me a minute. I'm trying to read out of this notebook where I had this all, and I had to do some oh. scratching out and scribbling and scratching out and re-scribbling. Oh, so, you want me to? You uh, want me to just go ahead and say it because I've got them all no, right here. I think I think it's me than yeah, me than James. Okay, and then Sharon. Right. All right. Um, so myself, I went with Brad Keselowski for uh, the first race here on Sunday, and Eric Jones. And truthfully, I'll tell you this up front: that was before I had actually even seen the lineup with Brad on the pole. Um, I went with the experience and then <laughs> Jones pick. being last year's winner um, and with three starts does have a good record there. James I almost went with Keselowski. <laughs> so yeah, I, I say I truthfully, I hadn't, I hadn't looked at the, at the lineup yet, which again, doesn't mean anything because it is a random draw. However, starting up front, your odds are better. So mm-hmm. uh, James, James went with a couple of good ones, uh, Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott. Uh, again, two obviously weekly contenders. And then, Sharon, you were the only one. You took one driver for both races, and obviously it's a solid one when Kevin Harvick. Yeah, I took Kevin Harvick for both Sunday as well as for uh, Wednesday's race. Uh, one of the questions I had, though, when you asked me if I wanted to pick two different drivers, I said, well, can I make a change as long as it's before the green flag? And I know the other caveat to that is it can't be a driver that's already been picked. But uh, I, I think Kyle Harvick's a pretty solid pick for both of those races. Well, and that's because it'll be interesting to see. There, I think there's a couple of sleepers. We mentioned uh, Matt Kenseth, you know, see how he does mm-hmm. in this first race back. Because, again, experience at Darlington. Then we're going to look at that finish in that second Darlington race on Wednesday. They're going to invert, I believe it's the top 20, if I'm not mistaken, um, for the start of the second race. So we might might have a couple of changes. I probably shouldn't have wrote these uh, second ones all down in my book yet. I might be scratching some more of them out. <laughs> it's possible. You know, you never know. Okay, but, uh, yeah, I, I think we came up with a good plan for making these picks. Uh, especially with the quick turnaround. And uh, I know we've already got some of the picks for some of the other races, but we're waiting for the entry list to come out too because uh, you don't want to make a pick too soon uh, without knowing what the entry list is. Although your pick in Xfinity I think is pretty solid. Well, and that's what, as I was thinking about it, I was like, I, had, I hadn't gone into the stats and looked at who was where, but I'm like, Chase Briscoe, I'll, I get to go first because I have finished last, last time. I'm like, I'll just take Briscoe. He's solid no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Okay, well, Jay, I've really enjoyed uh, doing the preview show with you tonight, a little bit off of our normal format for doing a preview show, but I think uh, we did pretty well. 
Yeah, uh, a couple of spots in the email where I think you were expecting me to follow up with the line above it, and I didn't catch on to Like we said, the new norm, if that's how we got to go about it, um, I think you're right. I think we did okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think think we hit on all the big topics uh, going into the race this weekend. And uh, I'm sure Sal and I will have a lot to talk about uh, on Monday. Now, normally we do try to get a guest, and I expect Sal probably is going to try to get somebody for the 930 segment. Uh, It's going to be tough uh, to get guests. Uh, right now, I think, uh, for for some of these shows, especially with the fact that we're doing not just the review, but we're doing a preview too. And Sal and I will have two races to preview on Monday night as well. So don't be too, too disappointed if we don't have a lot of guests over these next few weeks. Uh, with these guys traveling the way that they are, uh, getting to and from the racetrack, uh, it's understandable that a lot of them are not going to be available. So, uh, and, and people within the industry as well. So just kind of keep that in mind as well. But we will do our best uh, to keep everybody informed and, and uh, up to date with what's happening within the NASCAR circle. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. And, again, thanks, Jay, uh, and welcome back. Oh, okay. Jay said he got cut off somehow. So I guess he's going to be calling back in. He did call back in. Let me bring him back into the queue. I was just saying thanks, Jay, <laughs> for it and welcome back. Yeah, well, that's what that's what I when I when I ended there, we said we had done a good job. I was like, well, maybe I didn't do a good job. I got hung up on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't hang up on you. I don't know what happened there. But uh, I'm glad you came back because up next is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, we do have our chat feature up at fanforacing.com. I forgot to mention that earlier. Uh, I know Mike Orzel, who's very active in our chat room, uh, told me he had to work tonight. Uh, but I know he's looking forward to coming back and being a part of the chat room feature and, and a part of our team and our Fan for Racing crew. So he and I are going to have a discussion tomorrow. And uh, But if anybody else is out there and you want to uh, take part in the chat feature and bring up some hot topics you want to make sure that we discuss, I really encourage you uh, to get over to our chat feature and to post those questions uh, on, on that chat feature. Uh, you can sign in if you want to sign in and give yourself a username, or you can use the username that's provided uh, for you. Uh, to ask whatever questions you might have. Uh, there's a little type here message box uh, toward the bottom, and uh, it's underneath the smiley face. Uh, and uh, you just type in there. You have you can put up to a 1,000 characters and tell us what your thoughts are there. So uh, we really encourage you to do that. Now, joining us tonight is going to be Andy Lasky. He's our co-host for tonight on uh, NASCAR Hot Topics. I know we have a lot uh, to talk about in Hot Topics tonight. Uh, Andy's not here yet, Jay. Um, I know he comes in from work and usually has to get everything set down and kind of settled in before he can get started. Uh, But let's go ahead and get started. I'll let you uh, pull out the first Hot Topic for tonight. 
Well, shoot, let me get my dart and throw it at the dartboard here because we got a million <laughs> of them we could go over. <laughs> no um, kidding. I know yeah, we, you and I are going to. I was going to say, Go yeah, ahead. let's bring Andy in and see what he's got to bring in because uh, there's one you and I talked about I kind of wanted to get his take on first. Oh, okay. Andy, welcome to the show as our co-host. Oh, man, good to be back, guys. That was uh, <laughs> that was an, un, an unforeseen offseason that I don't think anyone wanted to see, but, uh, God, it's, it's exciting to, to know that they're going back racing on Sunday. So I'll first off hope the both of you and anyone listening has been doing okay and getting through this as best as possible. But yeah, just relieved that uh, there's some on track action uh, for real this weekend. It's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah. I told Jay earlier when I was talking to him, I kind of used the time to really get all the projects that I can't do. <laughs> haven't had a chance to do. I've gotten all those projects uh, taken care of from painting to, to uh, cleaning out the drawers and all kinds of things. So uh, I've I've taken care of a lot of my home projects uh, during that time, but it is good to be back with racing. Uh, and Jay, I know you had uh, you've been busy uh, in the same vein. Yeah, I actually did quite a bit of yard work. Um, for those I don't want to share too much, but my yard literally was a jungle at one point, and uh, I now have a cut grass and some flowers and. Uh, some other things been working on, so uh, not my first choice, but an enjoyable one. Very good. How about you, Andy? How did you spend the off time? You're still working, right? Yeah, pretty. Um, I've been on a bit of a hiatus from work. It's just a temporary leave while things uh, kind of settle down, but I'll be back doing what I do uh, in June, and then, uh, yeah, just kind of been, you know, doing some stuff out in the yard and trying to stay as busy as possible but um yeah hopefully a more of a sense of normalcy for june i guess but yeah i've been been out of work for a bit but uh it's been for the best and you know certainly looking forward to getting somewhat of a routine going again for sure absolutely absolutely now jay i know you said you had the topic that you and i briefly discussed earlier and you want to make sure we get uh andy's thoughts yeah, and that would be with how NASCAR went about with uh, setting the lineup with no practice, no qualifying, how they set the lineup for this first race, and then they're, how they're going to bounce uh, with the next one, at least for Darlington. I know the Coca-Cola 600 is going to have qualifying, and then I believe, again, they're going to do an invert off of that for the Charlotte Roval. And I wanted to see what Andy thought about that whole set of procedures. Yeah, it's um, honestly, I think it's kind of cool. Um I haven't actually looked at the specifics of the starting lineup. I think it's based off owner points. Uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, but I kind of like the idea of unload and go. Um, you know, we don't see this very often. So I'm excited uh, to see how that plays out. I think that could make the first few laps uh, rather entertaining on Sunday. Um, and I think it's for the best. I think it um, helps limit – uh, people's exposure to one another just show up race and go home so i don't think it's a bad idea um and uh, i think that um i think they made the right decision truthfully i think they have limited um everything to the point of just racing i know for the 600 they'll qualify and i think they should for that race it's a it's a marquee event but for all the other races you, you show up you race you go home that's it so um i think that uh, at least to get things going here 
for the rest of this month, um, it was the right call. Okay. Now, just so you know, Andy, uh, it is based on owner points, but what they did is they went bottom up from 40th on up in those owner points, and the two drivers that didn't really have owner's points were being just Balicki and uh, uh, B.J. McLeod. Uh, those guys will comprise the, the last row. Uh, but they did a random draw by 12 uh, place increments. Uh, so in groups, they did a random draw to establish the starting order position. So that was actually televised on Race Hub today. And uh, uh, the, the other part of that is that there is going to be a competition caution on lap 30 that will allow drivers to make adjustments to their car and give feedback to their crew chief about uh, what's happening with their car. And uh, there could be infractions. They're going to They're going to freeze the field, first of all. Uh, and the first 20 cars will be able to come down um, uh, the running order and they'll freeze the field uh, and the field will be assembled behind the pace car. The running order and lap down will be established and a free pass mm-hmm. sent. But there was no wave around rule that will be in effect. Uh, pit road will open to the top 20 cars. Uh, those 20 cars have to beat the pace car off pit road in order to retain in order to retain their frozen position. Uh, then pit road opens for the next 20 cars. Uh, again, they have to beat the pace car off of pit road to retain their frozen position. Uh, and then the above cycle repeats. Each team is allowed to pit just two times, uh, and they will reestablish a lineup per, per the freeze and restart of the race. Now, infractions that can happen is if they don't beat the pace car off pit road, that will result in a loss of a lap and restarting at the tail end of the field. If they pit more than twice or out of sequence, uh, that will result in restarting at the tail end of the field, and uh, the remainder of the pit road rules will remain in effect. So that pretty much breaks it down as far as the operational changes uh, for this race. Uh, the the pit road lineup was actually established according to the owner points, and uh, that's that was already decided. Uh, and they said that the pit boxes are, will be set up uh, on pit road when they arrive at the track. So I don't know if you have anything to add now that you've heard all that. Yeah, that's a lot of information, and I certainly appreciate, um, you know, the updates. I hadn't seen all the specifics on that, but, um, you know, I I think it's I think it's good. And I say that because I, I think when you look at um, the information that teams have in terms of setting up a race car, um, you know, I, I don't think m- most of them will be that far off. And, and this isn't the first time we've seen – you know, teams going into a race with, with no practice or qualifying. I think it might have been Indianapolis a couple of years ago where the weekend got rained out except for the they ran both the Xfinity and Cup races on a Monday, and I believe all of that was done with no practice and qualifying. So, um, yeah, I'm sure some adjustments will have to be made. But, I, I, I you know, and it's nice that NASCAR is essentially giving teams a chance to, to get things 
you know, straightened out a, a little bit if needed. But I, I think that most teams will be probably pretty close to the mark uh, when they unload and, and go down into the first turn on Sunday. So, um, yeah, certainly a lot of information there. Uh, but I think NASCAR, uh, I think they got it right. I, I don't have a negative opinion on it. I think it was done in the interest of limiting um, the the on-track time and, and limiting uh, people being around each other. And, and really that's probably for the best Okay, and to kind of give my thoughts on it, I, I did watch the live broadcast of the uh, uh, starting lineup uh, process, and although I understand it and and everything, it took them an hour to do it uh, with all the commercials and everything in between. Um, uh, I, I kind of wish there was a faster way that they could do that. I don't know if that's viewing worthy, if you will. I, I would be okay if they did that offline and not in front of everybody, but I'm curious to know your thoughts about that, Jay. Well, I think for this first one, and again, being what they've had for limited um, programming on Race Hub, that I think doing it the first one like that televised, yeah, it did get kind of drug out, like you said, especially since they, they had their commercial breaks and everything. Um, but I think at this point, again, they're they're hurting for, obviously, we haven't had any on-track or anything for them to talk about. Mm-hmm. I know they've been doing different driver interviews uh, with them in their home and how they've gone through the quarantine. Um, I watched several of those. They were interesting. So this first one, I think, was an okay thing. If they're going to continue that into the future, I don't know that, like you said, it needs to be a televised program for it. Um, I'm a little intrigued, and I've always been kind of a fan of invert or at least the possibility of it i know nascar has done it at the uh different toyed with different things when they, when it comes to the all-star race and the all-star open but the the problem is is you, you run into sandbagging um and we saw this when they did group qualifying you know drivers are going to try and do whatever they can to get that advantage so got to be careful with that but i kind of like the idea of at least this next race is the top 20 inverted We'll have to see if some cars that are running maybe 12th to 15th aren't going to win the race, all of a sudden drop back to 20th in the closing laps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to be interesting. But uh, I do also agree with uh, Andy. I, I do like the process that they have in place, given the modified schedule. I think it all makes sense. Um, I know that they just kind of getting into some of the other procedural changes uh, they're taking the temperature of the drivers before they come into the track, and crew members, everybody. Uh, media, most media is not going to be allowed at the track. There's a limited number of people that can be in the press box, uh, and they will draw from a pool there. Um, their, uh, you know, victory lane is obviously going to be a little bit different. They're doing teleconferences ahead of the race. Uh, I believe it was the top three drivers that are going to be interviewed via teleconference again. Uh, there'll be teleconferences on Monday and Tuesday after the race, uh, or a day or two after the race, uh, in order to, to talk with the top ten drivers. So they're really doing a lot uh, to try to make sure that everything, that everyone is safe, number one, and then number two, that um, – uh, you know, they're still getting all of this in. Uh, m- most media are, are being asked to uh, cover the race from home via these teleconferences. 
So I want to get you guys' thoughts about some of those procedural changes. Uh, I know when the drivers and crew members are at the track, they're using social distancing, they're wearing masks, and uh, the drivers have been asked to stay in their uh, motorhomes uh, and isolate themselves when they're not in their race car uh, driving. So, again, Jay, let's start with you and get your thoughts about some of those operational changes. Um, again, I, I think some of them maybe are a little over the top, but I understand the need and they got to do the best as a whole. Being that there are no fans there, keeping the drivers isolated uh, doesn't really impact a whole lot. I don't know what the rules are as far as them meeting with their crew chief, but like I said, I know even post-race celebration, they restricted that, so I assume that kind of plays into uh, that as well. Um, I think that's one that's kind of of a personal thing. But And I've had this discussion, I believe it was with my mom several times, you know, you can be a carrier, not have the symptoms, but be a carrier. So mm -hmm. even though you choose to go out, say, without a mask, you know, or something, that your decision could affect others that didn't make that same decision, just as with right. allowing fans in. If I so choose to go and take that chance, but I catch it and bring it back, those that didn't make that decision might still be affected. So I think NASCAR is doing the prudent thing without a doubt. Um, and, again, this is one of those that, for the time being anyway, how long into the future it goes, we don't know. But is, is it a step that they got to take for the safety and the, and the ability to even do their the race program? So um, I hold no grudge against them and I would never say they're doing it wrong or should be doing something different. Uh, again, I in no means want to be in any kind of position they're in right now trying to do everything they're trying to do. Right. And, and Fox – the Fox broadcasters are broadcasting from the studio versus from the track as well. Just to add that in as well, Andy. That's actually something that I had thought of, um, you know, recently was whether or not they would, I was actually curious about that, whether or not they would actually broadcast from the track. But I, um, I think that makes a lot of sense. In fact, I believe in years past, that's how, um, Speed Channel used to cover F1 races. They wouldn't actually physically go to the venue. They'd do it from a studio. So, you know, just one of several ways that they can cut down on, um, you know, exposure. And um, I, I, you really have to to applaud NASCAR for that. Um, and because NASCAR is one of only, I think, one or two sports that's, that's coming back right now. Um, so the fact that they've even been able to go through all these measures and all these new changes to, to get the sport back and, 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 you know, have somewhat of a season continue is remarkable. I think um, the same probably can't be said for other sports later this year. So uh, the fact that they've been able to, to go through and do all this work to, to get something on the track for uh, the fans, uh, you know, for this coming week is, is amazing, I think. So um, I'll never complain mm -hmm. about, you know, the measures that are in place because it's for everyone's own good. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, and, and really, you know, this is probably a little bit of a tangent, but the fact that the sport is coming back Sunday, I think really uh, opens the door for a, some, a lot of new people to, to potentially watch it um, considering there's really not much else going on right now. So, uh, this is a really big opportunity, and I think a lot of eyes are going to be on the sport on Sundays and, and the subsequent, you know, races that follow. So, um, yeah, just a, I think a big, huge thank you to NASCAR for being able to make this happen. 
I, I agree, Andy. I, I give kudos to NASCAR for taking the initiative. Uh, and you're right, they are going to be in the spotlight this weekend uh, as one of the only few sports that are, are participating in anything this weekend. Even though there's no fans in the stands, there will be plenty of fans viewing uh, from the comfort of their own homes. And um, uh, I, I do think that NASCAR is doing the very best that they can do. I, there is some question about – uh, whether they should be testing for COVID-19 versus uh, checking for fever. But fever is one of the main symptoms for COVID-19. So I can see where that does kind of make sense. Now, from the perspective that Jay just brought up, uh, there could be somebody who does asymptomatic. They don't have any symptoms, but they can still carry the COVID-19 virus and pass it on to others. And that's why the mask is so important and the social distancing is so important uh, that they still uh, go through that process as well, uh, even though they're, they are already limiting the number of people that will be at that venue. Um, so I think NASCAR is doing all the right things. I, I think uh, a lot of people are going to be studying what happens this weekend and uh, taking their lead on how other sports kind of reintroduce themselves into uh, you know, the the remainder of their schedules as well. So I think it's all good. Okay, Andy, what what is there another comment that you want to make or is there another hot topic that you'd like to move on to? Well, I, I think um, we can move on and, and talk about the actual schedule uh, for, for this rest of the month. Uh, very unique and, and certainly um, not what was originally scheduled to happen is I'm sure you guys already talked about this to a degree, but, um, you know, obviously some venues had their dates replaced. And in lieu of that, obviously the Cup Series um, will run to kick things off this Sunday. And then next Tuesday, Xfinity at Darlington, followed by yet another Cup race at Darlington next Wednesday, a few days off, and then four races at Charlotte, which include two Cup Series events and Xfinity and Truck Series race. So, wanted to see what your thoughts were on the schedule. I know that um, I know how you. F- I'm sure I know how you feel about it, Sharon, and I wouldn't blame you for being disappointed. <laughs> but um, kind of an intriguing way to get things back going again. Really, um, curious what you think about that. Jay. Well, again, I'm just glad I'm not in that position. Um, I mean, yeah, there's going to be fans here that think this is unfair or this is wrong, but as a whole, I mean, they got put in a bind. I mean, obviously several of the tracks, when we talk about the second set they had come out today carrying us through June, they're going back and getting Bristol, Atlanta. Atlanta's one that only has one race, and theirs is the first one to have gotten knocked out. Um but it's also at the cost of possibly some for the entire year, such as Sonoma or, or Iowa or Chicago, sorry, Chicagoland and Sonoma, which I don't know if we'll get a replacement or not. Um, but there, again, there's certain areas of the country that just aren't ready to, to be able to handle that. So um, more power to the people at NASCAR. I always said I'd like to be involved in NASCAR, but not at this level at this time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Um, I I am disappointed, but at the same time that I'm disappointed, I totally understand. I think what they've done is they're trying to put together a schedule that limits the amount of travel 
for these drivers. These are a lot of these are tracks that the drivers can drive to uh, and drive home. Uh, and uh, you know, when you think about states like Illinois, they're they're not really ready. I know our governor has said it might be June late June before we're ready to open up the state and kind of relax some of the procedures that are in place. So that would eliminate them from being able to to, to participate uh, in, in doing something at the track. Um, I know that there have been some rumors that there's people are saying, I've heard people say that there's some thoughts about selling uh, Chicagoland. I think they're selling some of the property uh, for an industrial park near the track, but that does not affect the track itself. So I do think that we will see races, if not this year, then for next year, I think racing will be back at Chicagoland Speedway. Um, and and same thing with Iowa Speedway. It's It's just a matter of logistics right now and different states doing different things with regard to uh, how they're dealing uh, with what's happening in their state. So uh, same with Sonoma, Richmond. Uh, you know, Richmond is one of the tracks that they maybe could travel to, but Virginia may still be closed. So NAFTA has to take a lot of factors into consideration uh, when making a lot of these decisions, and uh, I think they're doing a pretty darn good job uh, considering, and all of these drivers being willing uh, to do these midweek races and everything to get all 36 races in uh, for this season, I think, is just remarkable. So there's a lot of moving pieces to this. I think NASCAR is doing a good job. Uh, as disappointed as I am, because Kansas is another track that I might might have been able to get to this year, um, <laughs> and that's one of the tracks that they announced today. Um, that tracks that are going to have races realigned include Kansas Speedway, Michigan, uh, the Xfinity Series race at Mid Ohio, and uh, the Gander Truck Series race at Texas Motor Speedway. So. You know, those are disappointing changes, but uh, I think we all have to kind of give benefit of the doubt right now and uh, understand that NASCAR's got a pretty tough job. So your thoughts, Andy? Well, make no mistake, racing will return to Chicagoland. It's uh, it's a unique market, (laughs) and it's a fantastic racetrack, so... I think that um, you just have to look forward to 2021. I hate to see um, racetrack lose their dates, but it's completely understandable. Um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, to be honest, I right before all this happened, I had all these elaborate plans of races I was going to do, and I think probably all of it's not going to happen this year. So, um <laughs> I'm just glad that uh, I'm just glad they're coming back, and I don't care if it's on TV. Like, I mean, I, I've read some right. about fans being upset about that, but I I'm just appreciative of the fact that they'll be back and we can watch them. So, um, and I suspect that there will be many tracks that probably won't get to have dates this year. I obviously things change by the day but it it seems like they're they're going to stay somewhat close to the southeast and and that's understandable given where most of the teams uh, are located and where a lot of these team members and drivers live so if that's the way it goes i mean if they want to keep running bristol and martinsville all year go for it that's awesome so i mean um 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, this, these changes are going to disappoint some people, and it's understandable. But that being said, um, you know, part of the silver lining in it is we get two bonus races at Darlington, which is a fantastic old historic racetrack, which doesn't detract from the Southern 500. They are still planning that on Labor Day weekend. So um, with the good comes the bad, you know, and vice versa. And I think that um, certainly a unique way to get things going, though, to have two races back-to-back within a few days of each other at Darlington. I think it's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a really unique schedule. This whole season is unique. I don't think any of us have ever seen anything like this before. Hopefully we won't again. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, like I said, I think that there will be more changes as the season progresses that I'm sure will affect several other racetracks. But it's all for the best. And, you know, hopefully all we see and talk about is, is some good hard racing. And hopefully it winds up being a good season regardless. Well, believe it or not, our, our first half, our half hour for NASCAR Hot Topics is almost at a close already. We'll probably go into overtime because I'm sure we have a lot more to talk about. And, Jay, we'll give you your chance, but I do want to do our announcement that we do go off the air at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time uh, on the dot. That does not mean that we don't stop talking. We keep on talking. We keep on recording so that fans can hear the rest of the conversation on our podcast. And that podcast is available after we finish the show. And I go out on Twitter just to let fans know that the podcast is now available. Uh, If you've listened up to this point, all you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark, and then you'll be able to hear the rest of the conversation. Uh, People who are listening entirely on the podcast will be able to listen uh, straight through uh, to the bonus material Uh, after that two-hour mark. Uh, But we do like to alert fans to the fact that we go off the air uh, while we are continuing our conversation uh, for that bonus overtime material on the podcast. So with that being said, uh, Jay, we're curious to know your thoughts. Well, again, you know, yeah, certain tracks, like I said, certain fans are going to complain their track or whatever they wanted didn't come to pass. Um, or they got screwed or whatever. Um, there, there is no easy answer or fix to that. I mean, it, you know, they had to make yeah. adjustments, and I think they're doing a phenomenal job of it. And I think that some of this, uh, as mentioned earlier when we talked about this a little bit, um, could be a test trial, say, for the midweek races. Now, I know obviously fans not being at the track doesn't give them the full idea, but I think it'll give a good idea as far as television ratings if they're doing a midweek race. Um, of what to expect for that. So I think there could be some benefits that come out of it after it's all said and done and give him a direction to go and what to look at in the future. Okay, I think those are all really good points. And and, uh, uh, it is going to be interesting because, like, next, you know, starting we have a race Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's four consecutive days of racing. Uh, no, it's not. We don't have a race on Monday. We have our show on Monday. But we have the race on Sunday, then we have a Tuesday-Wednesday race. Uh, and then next week, it's, we do have four consecutive races with the race at Charlotte on Sunday, the Xfinity race on Monday, <laughs> the truck race on Tuesday, and another cup race on Wednesday. That's four consecutive days of racing all at their home track of Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, So that all makes sense 
Uh, that'll be a big deal. Uh, even though they can't be at the track, uh, I think uh, the drivers will appreciate being at home for those races. Um, uh, and and I, I do applaud NASCAR for everything that they're doing. So, okay, uh, what's next here? Jay, did you have another hot topic? Uh, yeah, let me throw another dart. All right. Uh, talking about uh, Ryan Newman and Matt Kenseth, the two drivers that were granted waivers as far as participating in the postseason. Obviously, Ryan Newman missed three races due to injury. We've seen that precedent set already with Kyle Busch back in the day. Matt Kenseth coming in as a new driver to this season, a little bit different, a little, little more unique, but wanted to get your thoughts, and then I'll give mine. Okay, Jay. I mean, I'm Andy. Oh wow, yeah. This is um, well, this this is uh, this could turn into a huge topic here, which I'm sure we'll get to. But um, first off, I just to talk about Ryan Newman. Um, awesome to see him back. I I think that this hiatus the season's been on really helped him, and you know I think that he has a chance to not only have a, a decent comeback, but also possibly make the playoffs. So cool to see him back and. Um, Never thought I'd see Matt Kenseth back in the car full time, but here we are. So, um, cool to see both those guys um, back out there and you know doing uh, doing what they do best. So, um, I'll leave the other part of the Kenseth deal uh, for another topic we can talk about at some point here. But uh, yeah, just you you wouldn't think. That with an essentially another off season that we would have all these these big things to talk about, but yet here we are. So just uh, been kind of a crazy stretch here, but yeah. I, but obviously excited to see Ryan back, and it's going to be interesting to see Matt back. Um, you know, especially since he didn't drive at all last year. So, um, but they've both with good teams, and both have a chance, I think, to uh, not only be successful, but go out there and possibly contend for playoff berth. So it will be fun to see those guys back on the track for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think the waiver is uh, totally justified. And it's not as big a deal as a lot of people are thinking, what, we only had four races uh, before we had this break. Uh, So they're only missing – well, Ryan Newman is only missing the the three races. Matt Kenseth is missing four races. Uh, and starting on the fifth race of the season. So I I think they're justified in in giving both of those drivers waivers. They're both veterans of the sport. They're both successful in the sport. Uh, Matt Kenseth is a previous champion, uh, and he should be given that kind of a consideration in my estimation. So I'm all for the waivers that were granted, and uh, I can't see where anybody would have any complaints there. Hey, your thoughts? Well, initially, Ryan Newman's situation, like I said, I feel that was an automatic a given. That precedence had been set with Kyle Busch. That is kind of what it is designed for, is that a driver doesn't try and come back from injury too soon, um, trying to make the race so that he can keep his status. You know, we've seen, we t- you, know, you go back as far as Ricky Rudd taping his eyes open. You know, that, that wasn't safe and it wasn't smart, and NASCAR realized that. So, that's why this rule was put in place. Uh, when I first heard as far as Matt Kenseth being granted one, and I like Matt Kenseth as much as anybody else, uh, happy to see him back. 
I didn't think that one was right. After listening to some of the stuff and, and the, them talk about it, it is a team sport. That team has been there the entire time. The team did nothing wrong, uh, if you will. So why are they being punished? Um, if I were to make any kind of change to that position, I know you can have a car eligible for the owner's championship and the driver not for the driver's championship. And I hate to take it away from Matt, but he did not start the season with the intent to run the full season. I can see where that argument could be made, that the, the team owner or the owner could go for the owner's championship with the team, but maybe not the driver. And, that, and like I said, it has nothing to do with Matt, just that the way the rule is, I would think that would have been the way to go. Okay, Andy, what are your thoughts about that? So I I somewhat disagree, surprise. Um but and I, I just think that it's important um for that forty two team to have a chance to not only go for an owner's title but a but a driver's championship. And so the fact that they did make Matt eligible to do just that I, I think is important when it comes to you know, sponsors and people that put put money into that car to have their driver be playoff eligible and go for a championship is is really good for exposure, and it's it's really good for the people that put money into that car. So I do see your point um, where he didn't start the season with the intent to run. I do see that, but I think it's a it's such a weird circumstance that you know allows this team to go out there and try to contend for a championship. So I can see why they did it, and, and I understand why. Yeah, I, I tend to be closer to Andy's thinking on this, um, in addition to the fact that, and I said it earlier, Matt Kenseth is a, is a NASCAR champion, uh, and I think he deserves that kind of consideration. Um, and, again, we're only talking four races, and uh, – yeah, the team can go for an owner's champion, but it's called an owner's champion. It's not called the team champion. The team champion is what the driver does, and I think that that team deserves to have a chance to go after uh, a playoff berth and ultimately a championship ring. So uh, I, I think that uh, NASCAR made the right call. With, with that, that's why I'm su- – I, I do, as a matter of fact. Um, with <laughs> with that, the if you give them the 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 team the ch- chance to go after the owners' championship, that's where the sponsors. If if they're the car is in the championship for the owners' championship, it would still get the same coverage. Um, the driver champion, the driver really? side is where it comes into. What's that? I said, do they really get the same coverage? Because. I, I hear a lot of people say, who if, cares about the owners? In a case like a that, of, we've seen it in the, like the Xfinity series. They talk about it because it is. The driver doesn't have, and I want to say as Kyle Busch Motorsports has won when they won the truck championship. They got talked about as far as running the, the owner's championship. I understand mm-hmm. that. But the rule is the rule, and here's where I have the problem in, in something you just said. Matt Kenseth being a former champion deserves that or whatever. The rule isn't designed to make exceptions for individual drivers based on who the driver is. It was designed for the set of circumstances. If the driver didn't start the year and go after the championship, that's why it was in place. Now, I look back at in the truck series when Ross Chastain declared, moved over, 
you know, again, that was a very unique situation. They let him go after it, and he made didn't win the championship, but, I mean, made a good run at it. Um, like I said, well, I'm not Kendrick against won't them get doing those it. four races. He, he has to start with race five the same that, way that uh, Ross Chastain did. Right, absolutely. I, I just Like I said, I, I'm not necessarily against it, but I don't think it fits what they set the rule to do. And I don't like to think about the hmm. fact that they're making an exception because of who the driver is. If they'd have pulled a rookie driver out or an unknown driver, would they get that same consideration, being that it's not Matt Kenseth or a former champion that has earned it? Because the rules Given shouldn't the be set up to... Given the circumstances, I think they would. Because this is a unique situation. It is a unique circumstances. And that's what, that's what the waiver is intended to be for, is unique situations and circumstances. Matt Kenseth didn't start out the year as a driver and because that seat was not available as a driver for him to be a driver. It became available, and that's what allowed him to come into the sport. So that is a unique situation and circumstances. Okay, so then my my scenario would be, if I opt to, I get a I get a team together now after five races, and I get a team together and say I'm going to go after the Cup Championship. Do I get that same option? How is that different from uh, Ross Chastain moving from one series to the other? Yeah, I agree. Because, it's really well, that, not. that he went to a he went to a team that the team had been running all year, and the team was going to be eligible for the owner's championship. And that's why Same I said, the 42 as long as it, and that's, I think the 40, I, I was think the 42 team had, ought to have a chance at the owner's championship without a doubt. And, and that is why I said, I lean more sort towards backing NASCAR's decision, even with the new driver coming in, because it is a team sport, even though the driver is kind of the headline that the team definitely deserves that recognition. I would never dispute that. But that's why there's the owner's championship and the driver's championship separate. That is the owner's championship. But I I, I hear what you're saying, and you're entitled to your opinion. I I just don't agree with it, Jay. (laughs) And and, uh, I I think that that NASCAR made the right call. I think that Matt Kenseth, I think the situation – uh, I think that they they took all of that into consideration and made a good good call on it. I also think, Sharon, that you know if you exclude Matt Kenseth from being playoff eligible, you penalize the sponsors even more so than they've already been penalized yeah. for the situation that put them in this position to begin with. So, if you allow him to be playoff eligible, and I realize this is outside of what the rule actually is. But if you allow that entire team to go and contend for the playoffs, it it helps, you know, from a financial and sponsor standpoint. So, yeah, I I, I do get where you're coming from, Jay, totally. Like, I do understand that side of it, too. I just think that, you know, by them granting this waiver, it's – better for everybody involved because it I mean and I'm sure we'll get to this before we we sign off tonight but I mean obviously a really really weird difficult situation that this whole team was put in so 
Um, I, I think it's the right call. I think that um, that Matt should have the chance to go out there, and, and, and that team deserves the chance to go for a championship. And, and to your point, Sharon cares about the owner's championship, and I hate to say that, but, like, I don't I don't go online wondering, you know, what the owner standings are. I don't think most fans do. So um, the only thing people look at are what are the playoff standings, and that's based off driver points. So if this team expects any kind of exposure, the only way to really do that, I think, is, is driver, you know, playoff eligibility. Any, any follow-ups, Jay? <laughs> No, I I just go back to the both in the Xfinity and in the trucks when teams have used multiple drivers. When it came down to it, they definitely addressed the fact that that vehicle was going after the owner's championship. Christian Eckes finished high enough to bring Kyle Busch Motorsports the truck owner's championship, and that got talked about and celebrated, which then your sponsors and that team got talked about. Eckes didn't get talked about winning the championship he got talked about his finish that gave the truck owners championship. So I think that coverage would still get be given um, as far as the sponsors. His situation and the team are was concerned. not a unique situation, though. Matt Kenseth's situation is a very unique situation. And again, you can't penalize the team. You can't penalize the sponsors. To Andy's point, uh, because of a unique situation. So. Matt Kenseth is the driver, uh, but there's a team that's involved here. And I I really think that NASCAR made the right call. But let's go ahead and move on um, to the next topic. Jay, uh, Andy, what's your, what's your next topic? Well, I think to, to tie into all this, we should mention the fact that uh, Kyle Larson was indefinitely suspended by NASCAR and – unfortunately lost his job at Chip Ganassi Racing for uttering a racial slur during an iRacing event. Obviously, that was uh, a pretty big shock, I think, to most of us. Now, yeah, and that, you know, that is a hot topic because a lot of people think that maybe NASCAR overreacted to that. Um, I I think they made the right call because the sponsors were not happy. Um, it was a practice session, I think, on a Sunday evening, but it was a live event in which fans were participating and listening in. And, um, you know, that's that's part of what happens. So what are your thoughts about that, Jay? Uh, very unfortunate situation. And, you know, from everything, I have not obviously talked to him personally, but from what I have seen, he regrets it, and he knows he made a mistake and is doing what he needs to to go through NASCAR's, I don't want to call it the recovery program because that's a little different circumstances. But, yeah, meeting the requirements that NASCAR has mandated as far as the sensitivity training and otherwise of being eligible to be reinstated. And I know he went through that as well with the World Outlaw Sprint Cars. He met that. He is back racing there. Um, Unfortunately, in this sport, it's not just about NASCAR allowing you in. You've got to have the team that's going to back you and a sponsor that's going to back you. And that has put him in a very bad situation. Um, my hope is that he does get a second opportunity and show that he has, I don't know what the right word to use is, but 
um, learned that it was a one-time mistake. Yeah, learned from it. It was right. a one-time mistake. He he is he is regretful of it, and there are things you can do to to make up for it, if you will. Um, you know, because there isn't one of us that hasn't made a mistake in our life. So I'd hate to see it take away his entire career. I understand that the team fired him based on the sponsors. I mean, that's part of it. He will have to redeem himself um, and prove himself. And I think if he does that, I hope that he does get another opportunity. Okay. Andy, uh, you brought it up, right? I did. So Um, I I guess I'll give my thoughts about it before we go to yours then. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I... I I do think that um, uh, NASCAR made the right call. I think Chip Ganassi Racing and the sponsors, everybody made the right call. It is an unfortunate situation. Uh, It was a mistake, and he understands that. He is remorseful. Um, And he did go through the sensitivity training to the point that you made. Unfortunately, he doesn't really have sponsors and a team to come back to. Uh, he did complete the sensitivity training, and NASCAR said they haven't reinstated him simply because he hasn't made a request to be reinstated. So he's got to work all of that out before he can make that request to be reinstated. So uh, I do hope that he does get an opportunity to redeem himself and and uh, come back into the sport if that's what he wants. Um, I always kind of had a feeling like NASCAR was important to Kyle Larson, but he spent so much time racing other series outside of NASCAR as well. So I feel like he was reinstated back with World of Outlaws. He's got the sponsorship. He's got a lot of support there. I've got a feeling that that's where he's going to end up, but he's just going to continue doing that. As much as I would like to see him maybe come back, um, I I just don't know that it's going to be in the cards for him. Um, As much as I would like to see him get that chance to redeem himself and kind of reestablish himself within that sport, I I would hope uh, that he would look for that opportunity to come back. And uh, I don't know if he is or isn't, but I would hope that he does get that chance. Okay, now it's your turn, Andy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, um, it's just unfortunate, you know, and and you hate to see it happen. I think that, as you both have said, all the right decisions were made and I think had to be made given the circumstances. Um, You know, I think that he's an incredible talent and was somebody that was fun to watch, and it's uh, unfortunate to see this happen. Um, I, I just don't know if he'll get another top tier opportunity to come back to, to the Cup Series. Um, I would be I would be shocked to to see if any sponsors would be willing to take that risk to be the first you know sponsor to to reach out and and support someone. Now, granted, I don't think that you know, he doesn't deserve to ever come back. And I think certainly if he gets a good opportunity that um, I think that he would be able to come back. And I think people would be receptive to that. But um, I just, when, when something like that happens, you know, you, you find it, it just, I find it hard to believe that someone's going to take that risk, but we have seen this happen before. 
where, um, you know, good drivers have had things happen and, you know, an owner has taken the, a chance on someone. And, um, you know, I think Kurt Busch comes to mind. He, he's been through some ups and downs in the past and, you know, has wound up getting himself back into, you know, good, good top tier rides. And, and maybe that does happen, but um, it's just really, I just find it hard to believe that he's going to come back. And to your point too, I think that dirt racing is more important to him. And I know that he's, I think expressed interest in getting out of NASCAR sooner than later to go back dirt racing. And maybe this is the, the catalyst that just propels him back to full-time dirt sooner than later. Nothing wrong with that. Obviously that's a, a good Avenue to pursue. And then maybe that's what happens. But I definitely think that if he, for whatever reason, does not make a return, um, it's a loss for NASCAR given, you know, the amount of talent he has and, and, you know, what he may have been able to do. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see um, how that materializes. But, um, yeah, just a tough scenario for for Kyle, his sponsors, the team, um, you know, and and now um, it's an interesting opportunity for Matt Kenseth for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, the the one thing, um, and I've always kind of had this feeling, Denny Hamlin spoke to it when NASCAR Race Hub did their quarantine interview with him, mm-hmm. um, being a friend of Kyle Larson's, made the statement that, yes, dirt is important to him, but it wasn't that he was putting that above NASCAR. That seemed to be something that the media and fans put on him. Uh, you know, he made the comment, that he would rather win, and I want to say it was the Chili Bowl. I'm not sure if that is it or not. Over the Daytona yeah, 500, that's that. one. Yep, yep. One race. <laughs> that doesn't say he wants to dirt race over NASCAR. That's just a matter of to him being he came from that background. So I think a lot of the thought process that dirt was more important to him came more from the media and fan side than him. Yes, it is important to him, but I don't know that he put one over the other. So that's one thing. I know we had talked about this early in the year, being that he was going to be a free agent of where a good team for him to be was if he didn't renew with Chip Ganassi, as it were. Um, one of the things I think that does limit him, because some teams, uh, and I know we, we talked about it being uh, uh, eligible for the 48 of, of Hendrick, that Hendrick doesn't like their drivers doing outside activities such as that. So that kind of limited him as far as what teams he could work with to try and work out a deal and, again, I believed he was going to return to Chip Ganassi because Ganassi gave him that freedom to be able to do that. Yeah, that that's very true. Okay. Uh, I don't have a follow-up there. Do you, Andy? Yeah, not really. I think that, you know, to your point, Jay, I, I kind of saw him maybe going into a spot at Stuart Haas Racing next year, and maybe that still happens especially when you consider, you know, the level of funding that Gene Haas obviously brings to that team. Maybe he takes a chance on Kyle and funds the car. You never know. So, um, you know, there's definitely opportunities, I think, for him to return. It just depends on which team is willing to take a risk. And I hate to say that it's a risk, but it it, it really is, you know, taking a risk on somebody, um, you know, given the circumstances. But, um you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I don't necessarily think we've seen the last of Kyle Larson, and I hope we haven't. I mean, he's a, he's an incredible talent that, you know, has a bright future in whatever he does. But I guess um, it remains to be seen what happens next. 
Yeah, SHR would certainly be a good team for Kyle because they would understand his love of the uh, dirt racing and and kind of give him the same kind of uh, leeway there. So. Well, and Mike, Mike and I did talk about this. I know he's not here tonight to to chime in, but uh, Mike and I talked about this when I ran into him the other day. Not only that aspect of, of the team and the, and the eligibility run to other dirt things. When I look at the willing to take a chance that somebody, and it's a little bit different, but somebody that is willing to battle oh, yeah. against the media, that would be Tony yeah. Stewart. So I think that might come <laughs> into sure play as think. well. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Uh, I think that would be a good fit for the situation for sure. Okay, uh, Andy, we've got a couple more minutes here. Did you have a, a quick topic that uh, we could discuss? I really don't. What about you, Jay? What do you got? Well, being that this situation, one kind of lead to the other of the iRacing in and of itself, uh, NASCAR using it to sustain during this time period off, what your guys' thought on, thought on, thoughts on that were? Okay, Jay, you go. Or Andy, I mean, <laughs> you go. I I loved it. I, I thought it was awesome. I, I watched most of them. I think I missed one or two, but um, it was an incredible way for them to fill the void. And I thought it was, it was awesome in the sense that they didn't have to do it, but they did it anyway for fun. And it did, I think it did wonders. And I certainly appreciated it. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a good way to fill the void while they were gone. Okay. And, and I, I kind of enjoyed the first couple of races. I thought Fox did a nice job of getting, uh, you know, covering it from the studio and getting uh, drivers involved in doing interviews throughout the race and kind of giving some of the behind-the-scenes things there. But when, when it came to week after week, I was having a little bit harder time sustaining my interest in it. Uh, I'm not sure why that was. But uh, it, it wasn't holding my interest on a week-to-week basis like the live racing does and seeing the drivers in the cars and on the track. Uh, so I'm real happy to see the racing come back. I do applaud NASCAR and Fox for everything that they did uh, to kind of fill that void. I thought what they did was absolutely wonderful, and I give them kudos because I see a lot of other sports that did not do those kind of efforts uh, to keep fans engaged. Uh, so I thought it was uh, really a wonderful thing that they did. So, Jay, well, you what know, the best, you part was, the best part oh, was they ahead, brought Andy. North Wilkesboro back. Yes. I was thinking about that. That probably uh, satisfied a lot of fans. All Jay, right, what so if I... If I'm reading this right, Andy was at the top, loved it all the way around. Sharon, you were kind of 50-50 on the deal. I'll go on the bottom. Um, I will back what Sharon said. I applaud NASCAR for the effort. Fox did a tremendous job with covering it, and that was all great. But I total, over the three months, I watched a total of maybe five to ten minutes of it, total throughout all of it. And I know people don't get upset when it's referred to it, but it's a video game. And I have better things to do than sit and watch other people play a video game. I, yeah, I, I will, mean, I, I will a, agree. You know, I I'm a huge race fan. Because, 
Um, oh, go ahead, that's Andy. That's one of those things where, no, I totally agree with you there because when I, it was purely just an entertainment thing. I would much rather see the real cars on the track. And honestly, when it comes to eye racing, I'd rather do it than, than watch it. So from that standpoint, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to agree for sure. Yeah, like I said, I mean, it it really didn't even hold my interest enough to watch for a five minutes straight. Uh, there were some good things, like you mentioned, North Wilkesboro, seeing that track. And I understand it is a tool for the drivers, and I get that they do, they wanted to do it and participate and inter- interact with the fans. That's just one of those, as a fan, I wasn't inter- interested in interacting in that aspect because, like I said, I, I had nothing for it. Um I'm glad somebody does it and enjoys it and makes money off of it, but it's not off me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought it was great that NASCAR did those things. I thought it was great that the drivers wanted to participate in those things. We got hit, we, I did enjoy watching Bobby Labonte uh, be a part of that, driving the number 19 car. Uh, I thought that was awesome because you get to see a variety of different drivers that you normally don't get to see. Uh, race on race day. That part of it I really did enjoy. There, and you're right. And just like the track drivers, certain drivers getting to see that. There, there were some cool things about it um, that that were intriguing. But I, like I said, and it, I just I found better things to do with, <laughs> to fill my time than watching somebody else play a video game. Okay. Well, we're at the top of the hour here now. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and do the roundtable, and boy, we've got a lot to talk about on Monday night (laughs) yet. We recovered a lot tonight, though, and uh, I applaud you guys for uh, uh, putting out all those uh, topics, and and, uh, I thought we did a good job of catching a lot of it, but I know there's a lot more. So, Andy, let's start with you. Uh, Yeah, follow on Twitter at... um Alaski 14 and honestly haven't been real active on there lately, but that'll start back up again as well as the hot topics writing that took a hiatus as well. Yay. But as we get back going in, um, as we get back going with the racing, there'll be uh, obviously more to write about. So uh, try to get uh, fan for racing back on a sense of normalcy here starting, uh, you know, next week. So looking forward to uh, looking forward to Sunday. Finally. <laughs> Me too. Jay? Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, just like after the off season or even a week or two off, uh, great great to be back on Fan for Racing Blog and Radio. Uh, again, getting active. Race season going to be back, a little bit different, but um, definitely going to give us some things to cover again. So excited about being back together with that. Yes, I'm uh, real excited to see all the coverage coming out. Uh, the teleconferences today were awesome. And, um, uh, again, I just applaud NASCAR for everything they've done here. Um, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, and we are at fanforacing.com. Uh, we have started putting up articles uh, and information at Fan for Racing. We had our chat feature up tonight. We didn't get a lot of participation uh, tonight, but I think that's understandable given that, uh, you know, we're just getting kind of restarted back up here. But uh, I know when Mike comes, uh, that place will be hopping again. Um, and so <laughs> I'll look forward to that. Um, 
uh, we did put up a couple articles. I mentioned the Jimmy Johnson article today. Uh, we put up the article about uh, uh, the extended schedule that NASCAR has uh, put out uh, going all the way through to June 21st. So fans can uh, certainly take a look at that at our uh, website. Uh, we have, of course, uh, the podcast uh, where you can listen to the radio show. If you haven't heard uh, certain parts of it, I encourage you to go back and listen uh, to the entire show because I think Jay and I covered quite a bit leading up to, to the race for this weekend. And the hot topics, as usual, was very lively and interesting. Uh, we don't always agree, but we remain friends and and able to move on and uh, talk about other things. So uh, we'll look forward to doing it again Monday night. Sal will be the co-host at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time as we review the Darlington race and preview uh, the Xfinity and Cup Series racing on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. So uh, we'll definitely look forward to that. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, We appreciate every one of our listeners, whether it's uh, the live broadcast or the podcast. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll look forward to continuing on as the race season uh, rolls on here. So take care. um, Hug those that you love, and uh, we'll look forward to being back on Monday night. Good night, everybody. All right. Have a good weekend. Okay. Good night, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.